I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Uh, boy, this is an important show. I'm glad we're doing it. I'm a little uncomfortable about the consequences and the potential loss of life, but still here doing it, reporting it. Bionic. Okay. <laughs> you know, when you have to fill in those government forms, they have like the little blocks where you write a letter in each block. Does, yeah. it, does it take up a lot of space on they your middle me, name? I'll be honest. They give me a whole separate form with Do these they? blocks. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's it's great to have you here at the Future Quake Show. Uh, and beginning our week, this is the first installment of our interview with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, uh, who is the author of the book Foul, Bird Flu, It's Not What You Think. And she's a real expert, an internationally recognized expert in this topic, talking about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines. Mm-hmm. This is a show that it is very, very important for you to hear. As for your family's wealth, or well-being, uh, and also it's something <laughs> that you'll need to pass on to your uh, neighbors and friends. Yes, uh, it, it's even worth putting putting up with our foolishness to be able to hear the real information from Dr. Tenpenny. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we've been covering for the last couple of weeks and and longer than that is this rise in the swine flu and how it's suspicious. Uh, you know, you've heard from us before about these various uh, these various quotes by New World Order people saying things like, "We need to reduce the population by 80 percent. We need to reduce it by 90 percent." Ted mm-hmm. Turner saying stuff like, "Well, uh, population reduction of about to about 500 million is really where we need to go." People like Dr. Eric Bianca no. saying... Ted Turner said before the UN, 95% reduction in population. Yeah, he, he tends to move that move that bar around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's And there's even more extreme people like Dr. Eric Bianca, uh, who works at uh, the University of Texas, says things like, human beings are a disease, and we need to just eradicate that disease down to mm-hmm. about, you know, so only about 10% of us are left. And the quotes that I have seen from from these globalists in the literature, well-known ones, is that they believe a a pandemic, a pestilence pandemic, is the ideal way mm-hmm. to get the population and by their own writings, literally. Well, doctor, uh, doctor, uh, he probably has a PhD, so I guess he is. Zvignu uh, Zvignu Brzezinski, who mm-hmm. is kind of the most people recognize as the man behind the throne of the Obama administration. Uh, wrote repeatedly in several different different books, uh, the Grand Chessboard, as well as um, uh, the one that he wrote in the 70s, whose his name escapes me. Uh, but he calls for uh, uh, reductions and changes in the world brought about by, you know, uh, fomenting fa- wars through false flag incidents. But also, uh, and perhaps more importantly, relevant to this show, he talks about uh, making bio bioengineered diseases and releasing them on the population right you know. they're clear in the literature mm-hmm. that this is a plan they welcome it sure and in in big new brzezinski's case uh he's even admitted to supporting people like pol pot to right. uh you know in the Khmer rouge massacre in the dead right. the dead zone and these are not internet rumors these are their published books yeah, yes where they go on the record <laughs> go and get the book between yeah. Two Ages was the other book I was looking for. Between Two Ages. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you're our encyclopedia here. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to hear about a topic that has an immediate medical threat to your family, 
but there is also a political component to it, and there's a spiritual component to it. Mm-hmm. It's maybe one of the biggest threats we face in the near term uh, as a society and as a people. Mm-hmm. People of faith have access to different information out of the Bible and elsewhere to put this in perspective. Mm-hmm. So I want you to keep that in mind. We're going to have some extra time to chat about that a little bit. Love to. So with no further ado, I want to introduce Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, author of Foul Bird Flu, It's Not What You Think, talking about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines. With no further ado, here's Dr. Tenpenny. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, sort of sounding like James Earl Jones because it's so early. Yeah. Bionic. <laughs> We're doing an early morning interview this morning. But we have a, a, a seasoned, experienced friend of ours. Yes. A, I won't say a ghost coming back to the show, but someone back from our <laughs> early formative, our pre-Cambrian days of Future Quake. And I would like to uh, introduce and welcome uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who is the author of Foul, uh, Bird Flu, It's Not What You Think. And we're going to talk today about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines. Uh, Dr. Tenpenny, it's just wonderful to have you back on Future Quake. And I, I can't believe it's been over three years since your last visit here. Yes, good morning and thank you. And yes, how does time fly? <laughs> it's just amazing, isn't it? I can't believe it's almost the end of August. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming since our last talk uh, over three years ago, you've probably taken it easy sitting around the house, uh, lounging quite a bit. Uh, I'm assuming you've not had uh, much to do on uh, this bird flu issue. <laughs> yeah, not much to do on bird flu or swine flu or regular vaccines or any of the other, or Gardasil, or any of the other mm-hmm. that have come down the road in the last three and a half years since we've had a, t- a chance to be together. Yeah. There's no, I know there's no dust that settles on you, and uh, <laughs> I hope you don't pay it by the minute on your telephone calls, because I know that you're trying to be, be a, a watch person, getting the word out about this, and giving people informed, educated, uh, authoritative information about this, and, and you've done it pretty much nonstop for as long as I know. And I just just want to thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. Well, you know, much has changed since your last visit here at Future Quake. Uh, different station, different format. Uh, uh, we have a much larger audience uh, now. And many of our listeners may not be familiar with your credentials. Uh, could you give us just a very quick capsule of your credentials and background? Surely. Um, I do. I have what I call my first life, in which I was uh, board certified in emergency medicine. I was the director of an ER for 12 years in Finley, Ohio, and then in 1996, I moved to Cleveland, Ohio, to start an integrative medicine practice. And integrative medicine is a combination of conventional medicine and alternative types of techniques that we used to get people well and get off their medications. Our areas of focus have to do with women's health, in which we do bioidentical hormones, uh, breast thermography, um, a very unique approach to thyroid and adrenals, and we have a very amazingly good approach that we're using now for people that have depression, insomnia, and getting them off of psychotropic drugs. We have an allergy elimination program that I'm always proud to say that people have come from 38 states and nine foreign countries to come to our clinic to get rid of their allergies and to get rid of their drugs and get back to life. In fact, just about two weeks ago, we had some people in our office from Tennessee. Is that right? Yeah, we did. And then we Hmm. have a very expansive pain. uh, I don't like to call it pain management. It's more like a pain elimination program. 
we have an osteopathic physician, which is me, and a chiropractor and an MD that does cranial sacral therapy and an acupuncturist, and we use a very 21st century piece of equipment called an acuscope and a mild pulse that works on very chronic pain to give people relief and get them finally out of those chronic pain cycles that they've had to live with forever. So we call it our pain repair program and not a pain management program. Wow. Okay. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's... uh... Well, I mean, so many of those things are important, but I think it was very wise for you to focus on women's studies with, with all the bovine growth hormone that we're eating right now. <laughs> I'd say things are yeah. shifting more toward the woman's side, yeah. the estrogen side of the equation, including a lot of the men today. Uh, Absolutely. You know, um, many people uh, are totally unaware of the sordid history of modern-day vaccines, although, you know, it's really been in the news, obviously, the last few weeks and months. Can, <laughs> Can you give us some notable facts about the history of our use of vaccines and what were the resultant ramifications? We'll we'll talk about the 70 swine flu thing uh, after this, but what are some other examples that, that you can give us? Well, the history of mandatory vaccination goes back a long ways. In fact, it goes back much longer than what most people realize. When Jenner developed the first smallpox vaccine in 1798, we now have 200 years of of uh, multi-generational indoctrination that that did some good for society, which if you go back historically and really, really look at what the smallpox vaccine did, it did not. Um, As as the uh, Christian uh, missionaries started going around the world doing their missionary work, they felt that it was their uh, duty to vaccinate the natives when they got there. And what they ended up doing was spreading syphilis around the world everywhere that they went because the, the vaccines were made from cow serum and the cows have a the bacteria in them that causes syphilis. So inadvertently, they were spurred disease and sickness and all kinds of problems around the world under this umbrella of we're going to do this to eliminate smallpox wow. and make you healthy. Wow. So that started way back in the early 1800s. And the first smallpox vaccine was given in South Carolina in this country in 1800. And it's been going on ever since. I mean, it's been the smallpox vaccine up in, for about 100 years. The first mandatory vaccination law was passed in the U.K. in 1863 or 5. I believe it was 1863. And it was passed in and they said that uh, all children were going to be vaccinated to stop the spread of smallpox. And it was during that period of time that they started referring to children as those dirty little children that spread nituses of disease. And from that is where this moved forward into why we are always vaccinating babies. It started way back from the 1860s. No science, no research. It's just an empiric decision that was made by the doctors who were currently members of parliament. At about the same time that the mandatory vaccination law was coming into play in Parliament, there was also what was called a, it was a is an anti-vaccination movement that was called Our Babies Battle. And it was all of the mothers whose children had died from the smallpox vaccine or had been completely maimed or lost a limb or lost their eyesight that started this anti-vaccination movement. And there used to literally be thousands of people marching in the street resisting this. So, And that was also the birth of alternative medicine came around that time because there was an entire group of apothecaries and nurse midwives and herbalists and Hahnemann was around at that time who had developed homeopathy and they were all looking at ways to keep people healthy without using the vaccine or to treat these people who had been horribly damaged and injured from the vaccines. So that was all happening in in the 1860s to 1880s. 
and in, and then in 1902 we passed the um, Jacobson versus Massachusetts law here in the U.S. in which there was a, a Mr. Jacobs from um, Massachusetts had gone all the way up to the to the U.S. Supreme Court to refuse the smallpox vaccine because he and his son had been previously vaccinated and had a terrible side effect. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they were having outbreaks of smallpox in the Boston area at that time. And so the U.S. Supreme Court said that the state had the right to protect the, gen the population and to take care of the general good, which was more important than the rights of the individuals. And the states maintained the right to be able to, to force vaccination on people. That was in 1902, and that was coming out of the last of some of the really bad poverty Right. Close living conditions, lack of public health and sanitation. I believe that the judges on the Supreme Court at that time were probably influenced by the community conditions of what they saw. But that piece of legislation has is carried forward until today that maintains the right of the state to vaccinate over the right of, a, of an individual to refuse. During the early 1900s up till about 1920 is when all the different states across the U.S. set up their vaccination laws because the Supreme Court did leave the right to, to make their judgments about vaccinating, not vaccinating, allowing exemptions to the states. And that's why it's a state's issue and not a, an, an, a national issue. So we could work through our state legislators, uh, our, our, our state house and senate, to provide protections in each of our states. Well, yeah, there's 19 strategy. states that have a philosophical exemption, which means I've done my homework. I really believe the risk of the vaccines are greater than the risk of the disease. I'm willing to self-quarantine if my child gets sick. There are 19 states that have that. There are 48 states that have a religious exemption, and Tennessee has a religious exemption. However, in some counties, it can be it's getting more and more difficult, even in your own state, yeah. to be able to refuse based on religious grounds. And what the religious grounds are, the fact that, you know, that our bodies are, are sacred temples of God and the Holy Spirit. And we have, when you actually look at what's in these vaccines, which are dead viruses, dead bacteria, lots of toxic, toxic chemicals that can cause cancer and diabetes and all these things, and animal cells, and some of the, the vaccines are made from from a, a cells of aborted fetal tissues. Mm -hmm. And people can say, I don't want that injected into my body. But the U.S. Public Health Service has been loading up, has been loading up the medical literature saying we need to take the right to refuse away from everybody. Wow. Now, if I, regarding the religious <laughs> exemption and the aborted fetal material, if I remember right in the news not too long ago, we tracked a Catholic chaplain in the in the military who they were forcing a mandatory uh, shots, shots on, and he had to prove in court uh, convincingly that there was aborted fetal material in these shots to gain his religious grant. So that's been established fact that there's that there's aborted fetal material in these shots. Yeah, and what they it is an established fact, but and all you have to do is like read the package inserts. Okay. <laughs> it shows it that it's there. Um, the other part of that is though, if I remember that court case specifically, not only did he have to prove that those cells were in the shots, he had to prove and justify and defend his religious convictions. Okay. And and that happened has happened several times in New York and in other different states where you just can't say, you know, I'm a Christian and I don't want this stuff in my body. You get taken before a panel and you have to prove your Christianity. 
Whoa. So that and there's actually been tapes of that of people being shown having to do that in New York by under almost like a pan, an inquisition panel where they had to sit there and prove that they prayed and they went to church and they read the Bible and they did all of the things that they claimed were they were trying to say that they were Christians about. Gosh, hmm. there's just so much I want to comment on there. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, they're so rich with material. Yeah. Well, if, if people didn't need another incentive to get serious about their faith and vocal, that's one right there to go on the record. I wonder if you host a show on a Christian radio station, if that helps your case. Do you, do you if think what? If you host a, a show on a Christian radio station, does that help your case? In front I, would of the board? Think it, I think it probably would. Yes, I think well, it would. I would recommend you know that to I, everyone. I want to just make one other comment about that that history of vaccination. That information came from a book called Bodily Matters, B-O-D-I-L-Y, Bodily Matters by Nanja Durbach uh, that was published about four years ago. She is a major in history, a Ph.D. in history. She teaches at Brigham Young University, and that was her dissertation that then got published into a book. That is, That book has a wealth of information. It's available on Amazon. It's called Bodily Matters. And then the other book is called State of Immunity by James Colgrove that picks up the, vac- the mandatory vaccination issue from around 1902 with Jacob Saversa, Massachusetts, and brings it up into the 1970s. Hmm. And his started as a Master's of Public Health. It was turned into a marvelous book. And both of those books are just, in- it's just incredibly important for, uh, for anyone who's interested in this topic. And I'll tell you, if you looked at my two books, there's more sentences in there that are yellow highlighted than un-yellow highlighted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you go all the way through those books. They're they're wow. very well written. They're written to the general public, and I would encourage anybody who's interested to get those, or perhaps have your your local library get them, so that other people can have access to them. Okay. Well, we we have a state representative that's been on our show, very active person, that I think this message will resonate, and uh, I will follow up here in Tennessee. I recommend all of our listeners do that in your respective state. Uh, to uh, see what we can do to make sure this is well-defined and is a reasonable measure for people to be able to opt out and, and take safe measures uh, for that. Uh, now, in the one particular case that I just mentioned that I think is particularly relevant to what, what we're facing today, and it's something I'm old enough that I actually can remember, is the whole brouhaha about the swine flu back in the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen the commercials, and in fact, that's sort of been a big hit on YouTube again, the, the, the big promotional commercials where the government was really coming down hard on people trying to browbeat them and make them feel guilty about not taking the swine flu shots. And, and of course, as we know, as the smoke has cleared, it, things didn't go quite as planned. Uh, of course, our medical community, you've known that for a long time, but a large a lot of the public doesn't get the word. What actually happened from our experience with that swine flu fiasco back in the 70s, uh, and are there similarities to what we face today? It was an exact replica of what we're doing today. In fact, this is the third or fourth time that we've done this, actually. Um, it started in 1976 with one recruit that got sick and died ostensibly from a novel virus that had never been seen before. And the alarms went off and the the horns honked and the lights flashed and, and the government said, oh, no, we have to do something about this. And the pharmaceutical industry said, oh, no, we need to do something about this, but we're not going to pay for it, government. Open up your coffers and throw us throw money in here. And, oh, by the way, um, they had just come out of the 1950 era where they, st- you know, 1954 is when we started vaccinating for polio. 
And there were several of the drug companies then that got sued very badly because when they um, created the polio vaccine, it was called the Cutter incident. And there was Cutter Pharmaceuticals that they traced back or, in my opinion, was made the, the scapegoat and said that um, these vaccines had live virus in it and it was causing polio around the country. And the pharmaceutical com- com- companies were sued and lost an enormous amount of money because their product caused problems. So when the swine flu vaccine was being developed, all of the pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies said, we're not going to insure you when you develop this 1976 swine flu vaccine. So they went to the government. The government said, not a problem. We'll cover it. We'll cover your losses, which they did. And when they did this mandatory and mass vaccination campaign across the country where more than 40 people died and 500 and some people became permanently uh, paralyzed and damaged by the Guillain-Barre syndrome and tens of thousands of people got sick, they created a a swine flu a swine flu um, uh, compensation program that the government funded, not the drug companies, the government funded, which means us funded mm-hmm. to pay these people for their injuries and their and their um, and their um, damages from the vaccine. Mm-hmm. It was the most massive vaccination program ever contrived. It was even bigger than the polio vaccine um, mandatory vaccination issue that started back in the 1950s. Which, by the way, since we're mentioning polio, did not eliminate the polio polio in this country. Polio was well on its way out epidemiologically before the polio vaccine was ever even instituted. Mm. Wow. So we're doing the same thing now. We have, you know, some cases of a virus. That's this, the name of this virus is H1N1, um, and viruses get their name by the antigens that are on their surface, and the virus has H antigens and N antigens, and there's a variety of those different ones that come together in different combinations, and these particular viruses are called H1N1. And this one is found everywhere now. It's highly infective. We know that millions of people around the world have, have been exposed and, and been sick from it, but very low virulence, meaning that very few people get sick enough to even go to the doctor. Dr. Timpany, I want to focus uh, the remaining time on, on what, where we are here now with this, but I've got one more historical question to, to ask you, and that's for our listeners who, who still live in a frame of reference that that our government and our pharmaceutical companies are there merely to help us with with no other thought or motive um, there's been a lot of interest in reemergence now and I'm not a medical doctor but what I've even I've picked up about parents who have seen the 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 rash of inoculations that their children have to get a whole bunch of them uh, salvo of them at one time and how this may be overwhelming the immune systems of children and causing a large increase in autism. I know that's another large issue in and of itself, but is there any truth to that or possibility that, that this rise we've seen is due to this overwhelming giving of these vaccines? There's absolutely truth. And, and not only has it been truth by parents' own stories that my child was fine on his one-year-old birthday and I've got videotaped to prove it and we had this great one-year-old birthday party on Saturday and on Monday I took my child for his one-year checkup and he got um, seven shots or so and by Friday he'd lost his speech, was spinning, flapping and descended into autism. Now we have 
thousands and thousands of cases of that. In fact, the, the court system is actually even allowing video testimony now mm. to prove and document that that has happened to their child. The U.S. Federal Court of Claims, which is commonly called the Vaccine Court, has allowed damages for many children. We, we know for sure that there's been at least nine cases that the court has allowed has awarded damages for the MMR causing their autism. But many of the cases that are, are settled in favor of the plaintiff, meaning in favor of the injured party, are closed, and that's part of the settlement so that the cases are closed so nobody can see exactly how many cases are settled in the favor of the of the injured party. So, well, you know, I understand legal mm-hmm. cases about uh, not wanting to encourage more cases and things like that, but the but the general gist that you that you see from that is that uh that there's something to hide, that there is not a full disclosure that would reveal positive yeah, merits and benefits from the parties coming over coming up again and again and again uh-huh. to where they have to make that standard operating procedure. Uh-huh. And it's not just the pharmaceutical companies who are who are collaborating in that is the federal government mm-hmm. who's collaborating and keeping this information quiet as well too. Well and that's one of the things that is well, uh, shocking, I guess we're back at the Future Quake Show with Dr. Future. And, Tom, this was a very interesting first segment. Uh, I just can't wait for the rest of the show. Bionic. Right out of the gates. Yeah. That's like, here we go. Dr. Tenpenny doesn't have time to waste because she's in such demand around the world right now. Well, and there's just so much evil going on. That you know, it's like it's gonna look. It's gonna take us all ninety minutes oh, just to scratch on, the surface of the People evil. are saying, "Look, why, why are you conspiracy theorists? We, we've it's got not these, a conspiracy we've got theory. The it's written right there in the, Revelation the, eighteen. The government's it's looking right after us. We Revelation. have the FDA. It's funny how how could they do things bad? We have a government agency looking after it's, us. It's funny how you. We, I, and I think I I think I bring this up later in the interview, but it's funny how uh, you know uh, Washington, for instance. People would people would throw stuff at his house when he became president just because they didn't like the federal government. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not widely reported, but right. it happened. You know, people would at night, you know, even go so far as to leave chamber pots on his doorstep and stuff. And people questioned the motives of people with power back then. Constantly. Constantly, Constantly. evaluating. They kept them on their toes. Mm-hmm. Now we're dulled to sleep. Well, we've got American Idol and things yeah. like that to yeah. watch. And we're, we're consumed with our entertainment. It's People are like trained slaves in many cases. You know, they're, well... If you read the writings of the ancient Roman uh, mm-hmm. philosophers, they talk about the idea of the Senate and the other guys. When they went from the Roman Republic to basically uh, the emperor mm-hmm. tyranny, basically that was their strategy, was mm-hmm. to keep people engaged in, in entertainment at mm-hmm. the Colosseum and keep them with some food mm-hmm. where they were content. And they said people just gradually ignored the police state growing up around them. What is that? Losing quote, their rights to the give republic. Them, give them bread and circuses while Rome burns. That's right. Bread yeah. and circuses is what, what it's called. And so that's what's happened to our culture. And yes. we have just such complacency. But the, the point I'm making is that the average people you talk to, and I think, sadly, Christian people sometimes are more vulnerable or gullible than most. More. Well, we have the worst. A, we have an FDA. We they, they couldn't get away. There's laws against putting bad stuff in our food and and you know somebody would mm-hmm. catch it somebody well, would be accountable it's if funny that you mention that because it really goes back to this us and them mentality so many of our brothers in the lord tend to have about things like yeah. i just want to go and just you know in the words of eric prince i just want to go down range and lay out muslims you know speaking yeah. of killing them and right. there are a lot of people who would really support that idea right you know and that's too bad 
Well, speaking of someone who we do support, Merv needs to come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. End of the road for today. Wow. I'm glad you didn't go a different way with that segue. Yeah. <laughs> Had a decision to make. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, come back for the next segment, a very important week. Uh, until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And Tom, uh, this show is turning out to be much more... I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't think it was going to be this good. Bionic. <laughs> there you go with that punctuation in your middle name. Pe- people get a kick out of that. I don't know why, but they do. Well, you know, you start... It's like, you know, it's like starting off a really serious discussion with a joke. Well, what about like 30 years from now? Are you going to still have to come up with new stuff for a show? I guess so. You know, it's funny because people that we know that listen to the show uh-huh. come up come up, and they'll mention, they're like, boy, I sure loved your la- your la- your middle name this week. That was great. Uh-huh. And then we'll get into the real meat of the discussion of which, you know. Yeah, that's their water cooler talk is the, the middle name dilemma. Well, It's like American Idol. We should have like some buttons people could push uh-huh. have choices for your middle name. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're new to our show and you have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, just get used to that because that's a common experience of our futurians <laughs> that listen. But they listen anyway because we have guests like Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, uh, who's with us this week, who is the author of Foul, Bird Flu, It's Not What You Think. And we're talking about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines. Mm-hmm. And if you missed the first installment yesterday, um, I recommend you go to futurequake.com and look up this show and listen to it in its entirety. At the same time, print off copies of it and give it to everybody you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, print off CDs, hand it out, mm-hmm. because this is something that is really an impending menace, immediate to your family's health, and there are political and spiritual components to it as well, too. Yes. Would you Would you agree with me? That, I would. Uh, I would totally agree. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've talked at length here uh, in our in our new segment is how so many of the things going on right now are relate to Revelation 18, mm-hmm. uh, and this is this is a little bit earlier in that book. This could be like Revelation 6, you know. Uh, one of the things, and I think I mentioned this again later on in the interview, uh, is that they're talking like if you don't, if you take the vac, if you don't take the take the the vaccine and they catch you out in public, they throw you in jail or they remove you or they disallow mm-hmm. you, disallow employment or any of a host of other things. Right. Uh, and so then where are you? You know, you can't buy or sell without that without that, that mark that, thing that on mark you, mark or yeah. whatever it is, whatever you got yeah. put on you. I mean, 
come on, it's it's like it's right there. Nineteen hundred years ago, somebody wrote about this. But you know what? This seems so natural. That well, it's like I really didn't think about it as a mark of a beast. It's it's just you know people have to get shots, you know, and you have to show proof that you got your shot. I know that's the whole point. You know, it seems that's, very natural. It doesn't sound like real spooky apocalyptic. That's just like you know protecting the, the people. Well, that's the whole point. I mean, nobody goes and knowingly does evil. Right. They always think it's good. You know, I always go, well, well po- hey, this is populace, really good. The populace. There are, this really there, isn't there are some really people evil. at the top who are truly malevolent, mm-hmm. and they make money. Now, there's some people who've been deluded, who who actually have been co-opted. And you're mm-hmm. right, they still think they're doing good. There's some people who are just purely malevolent for greed or power. Yeah, but I think even those people are very, very few. Yeah. Uh, and and they're It most, doesn't need many. The rest of them, you yeah, can delude yeah. the rest of them. Most of them, most everybody else just goes, well, this really isn't bad. And they, you know... Right. Figure it out. Meanwhile, the monkey on their back is going, don't take the flu shot. Well, don't take the flu let shot. Let me just remind people again, Revelation 18, read it for yourself. You'll find there that the kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth conspire together. They use what's called sorcery in the King James. The Greek word is pharmakia. and involves using of drugs for spiritual purposes. And it says, through that they deceive the nations of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I think this interview this week will be an embodiment of that activity, mm-hmm. an explicit one, mm-hmm. not just a metaphorical, but a very explicit use of drugs for control you of the can't population. Get, you can't get any more explicit like, here, here's some thymisorol, which is really just mercury and water, and it's going to kill you. <laughs> right. It's like right. control well, the population. Well, ladies and gentlemen, judge for yourself. Let's go join uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny talking about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines, and we'll be back to wrap it up here on Future Quick. When the vaccine court was set up back in 1986, when it was signed into law by the Vaccine by the, the Vaccine Information Act by Reagan, the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act, and out of that came the VAERS database, which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, where people can call, can write in or send in whenever they've been injured by a vaccine. And the injury can be something as small as like a red swollen arm to chronic persistent crying to all the way up to a death that can be reported into VAERS. When the, when the reporting system was set into place and also the injury compensation program was set into place out of the 1986 National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act that was signed into law by, by then President Ronald Reagan. That was signed into, into, that was actually legislation that was, that was passed because the pharmaceutical industry said, we quit. We're not going to do vaccines anymore because we're getting sued too many times by these products. And we know that there's a certain percentage of kids that are going to have a problem with them. And everybody's suing the pants off of us. We quit. We're not doing it. And our government said, oh, my gosh, the cornerstone of our entire public health system is high vaccination rates. And if we don't have high vaccination rates, you know, we're going to, like, descend into a third world country. So our government decided to protect the pharmaceutical industry from liability in 1986, and it has only gotten worse up until 2009 in terms of the, the, the being in bed together and how they, the, the two things play back and forth. Now, now the government officials are protected mm-hmm. as well, correct? Yeah. They, they're actually untouchable for their decisions, too. And so are the doctors. So are the doctors that administer the shots. Okay. And I've had cases of doctors that give the babies a shot, and I've I had the most horrific um, story from a mother here in Columbus, Ohio, that said that she'd taken the baby in, and it was like the four-month-old shot, so they'd already had hepatitis B at birth. 
a whole round of, of two-month-old shots, which was about nine different shots, took them in for the four-month-old shots, and after the last, the final vaccine was given, the baby died on the treatment in front of the doctor. Just oh, took man. in a big breath and went into a complete, just died right in front of them. Well, let me see if I understand this correctly, Dr. Timby. Our society is used <laughs> to managing risk while still keeping accountability. We, we have things called insurance, liability insurance, things like this. Doctors do all sorts of other treatments, including very risky treatments, and they have uh, malpractice, malpractice insurance, insurance and things. And it's expensive and it's yep. a drag and it's frustrating, but we use that to manage risk where uh, everyone still has some measure of representation and accountability. Uh, doctors have some protection that they're not put out of business or frivolous lawsuits, while at the same time, if something wrong has happened, uh, patients have some kind of recourse, some, some method of redress. So, so we're used to managing for that. But this is a case where uh, all bets are off. And mm-hmm. the thing I would interpret from this is that the government and the pharmaceuticals concede that the risk from these vaccines are so risky, maybe more risky uh, just from this one data point alone than, than the actual things they're supposedly trying to prevent, that they have to put in these special provisions because if insurance was to come in and look at this hard data, they would see it was so commonplace that just the objective corporate world would make the cost outrageous to, to actually protect against this, which would be the real answer we need to know is that the vaccine is more dangerous than what it's trying to protect. Am I understanding that correctly? That's a bullseye. You're absolutely correct. And because of the liability protection, not only from all of the childhood vaccines, which is the reason why we give so many children so many vaccines. And, in fact, today, in 2009, if you look at the pediatric vaccination schedule, children, by the time they are six months of age, if they have gotten every recommended and available vaccine, will have almost 70 vaccine antigens injected into their little bodies with measurable amounts of chemicals. By the time they start kindergarten, if they get every recommended vaccine, they will have 113 vaccine antigens. And by the time they get booster shots in the time they're in junior high and the little girls get Gardasil, and oh, by the way, Gardasil's coming down the pike for little boys, they'll have 156 vaccine antigens, meaning viruses and bacteria injected into their body plus milligram amounts of chemicals. You know, I don't think it takes a a PhD or an MD or a DO degree to think that that may be causing some serious harm. And all of that and all of those are placed on the pediatric schedule. They're on what's called the pediatric schedule. That gives the drug companies 100% liability protection from anything that happens with those vaccines. That's terrible. Well, that is, that's just terrible. If, if and that's why there's 20 more vaccines coming down the pike for adolescents, and most mm-hmm. of them are for sexually, uh, sexually transmitted diseases, and they're all going to go on the pediatric schedule so that we're going to pump our kids more and more and more full of their products. And one of the things I've always said is that vaccines in and of themselves are not very expensive relative to Lipitor mm-hmm. and all these right. other types of drugs. It's not very expensive. It's what they call, the, the pharmaceutical industry calls it their poor child, meaning it only generates about $12 billion a year in revenues. Mm. Put that in perspective, you know, Lipitor alone generates $10 billion. So it's, it's their little poor boy industry. However, it's my opinion that what, that, what the vaccines do is create the entire rest of the industry. It's the industry hmm. loss leader. 
you know, we'll give you this little inexpensive cheap thing um, almost for free. And public health departments and all these other places, they give it out for free, right? Because the real money for the drug companies is the money that's made when, when you get sick from those vaccines. Hmm. The diabetes, the cancer, the ADD, the ADHD, the asthma, the allergies, the eczema, the brain tumors. I mean, all these things that can be potential side effects from all of these vaccines. Where is the real money for the drug companies? The drugs used to treat all of that stuff. Hmm. So it's, it's, like a, it's like a pusher that would give away the first hit of a drug because for they free. know that person is coming the back to the fence. <laughs> They're going to come back to the fence and have to get the rest of them. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, once they, it's like uh, you know when you get somebody hooked on cigarettes or alcohol, or you know, it's like you see a sale. It says on the store side, it says, "Come on in," you know, free T-shirts. Well, so they get everybody in the store and give them all free T-shirts, and while they're there, oh, by the way, they spend twenty, fifty, a hundred, two hundred dollars, whatever, on the things that are in the store. That free T-shirt is a loss leader. Well, let me, let, give, yeah, let me just mention, and I won't, I won't put words in your mouth here. Your, your medical official just giving us straight facts. But for our people of faith that are listening, that this is all shocking, and that they just cannot imagine this. We, we quote many times on our show Revelation eighteen about how the kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth. Use pharmakia in the Bible, the Greek word pharmakia, by which to deceive the nations of the earth. And this is this is a uh, the text that we hold to that is valid for our life. I think what you just described, for my personal opinion, and I'm not speaking for you, is a a living embodiment of what you're talking about right now. It's difficult not and, to come to that conclusion, is it not? Therefore, for people of faith, this should be no shock to them that this is going on. If you believe in the the holy text that we all adhere to of reality. This has been foretold. This is a mindset that existed long before we were around, uh, but we need to be aware of it and adjust ourselves accordingly to it. So uh, this deception like this is really the order of the game and what we're talking about. Now, focusing on um, where we are today, how would you summarize what is transpiring right now regarding the reemergence of concerns about a new pandemic? Where, where do things stand now? It's very much just a fallout from everything that we've talked about up to here, particularly with the swine flu in 1976, and I feel like this is the third round. Actually, we did SARS, and then we did bird flu, and now we're doing swine flu. <laughs> and each one of those things, they, the, the global public health department, meaning the World Health Organization, uh, has put more and more and more things into place to prepare for this pandemic. And back when I wrote foul, bird flu, it's not what you think. When I wrote the, what we call the foul book back in 2006, I actually went to two meetings in Washington, D.C. that they were pandemic, uh, pandemic preparedness meetings. And one of the main speakers there was a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. David Nabarro, who is from the U.N. And at his, during his segments, and he had several, he repeatedly and emphatically said, this is not, this is not, might, it might not happen. It is definitely going to happen. It will happen. It's just a matter of time. It will happen. It's just a matter of time that we have a pandemic. And I sat there thinking, well, what does he know that we don't know? How does mm -hmm. he know that? <laughs> you know, what's, what's up with that? And so that's sort of the position that I've been operating from. And they have created all of these ways to vaccinate, to ensure vaccination, to protect the liability companies, to get billions, I mean, tens of billions of dollars in place to globally va vaccinate the world. They're now calling for two billion doses of this vaccine. And all of this stuff is going into place. 
Now, one person asked me on a radio interview I did recently, they said, well, don't you think that's just good planning? I said, well, on the one hand, yes, I I think it is. I mean, it's good to have emergency planning. I mean, look what happened with Katrina, and look what happens in communities sometimes when tornadoes hit. I mean, there's, there's there's good sides of public preparedness and planning. But this is sordid. This is like evil at some level because what we're now doing is we're, we are incorporating, we're bringing in the Department of Defense and FEMA to make sure that there's plenty enough vaccine to vaccinate everybody. They're setting up regional vaccination centers. They have the National Guards and the Army Reservists doing drills to protect, supposedly, ostensibly to protect the vaccination supply when people who are crazed and want to run in there and get their vaccine, that they can actually use pepper spray and taser guns on these people for crowd control. And they're doing, they're doing mock drills of that around the country. There's something really more here than just good public health preparedness, than what, than what a lot of people are, are seeing on the surface that um, is not exactly meeting their eye. Well, and I want to talk about that later in our interview. We already have planned to talk about what, what might be motives of what's going on. Because, like you said, we, we, it, this has been in the news for people who are looking for people like us here. Uh, we can find a steady stream through the news wires of stories about uh, SARS or swine or bird flu you know, continuously for years. But things seem to be different this year, particularly since early, you know, spring and, and summertime. Uh, things have, have stepped up. Even the, the mainstream news is spending a lot of time talking about this now. Um, why do you think now? Why why, why are things now that, that all this is picking up? Well, I think you have to put it in context of, like, the bigger picture of all the other things that are going on now like the trillions of dollars that have been that have been pouring into the banking accounts like the devaluation of the dollar that's that's going to be coming here any week now in a, in my opinion because we have now what what is estimated to be upwards to 23 trillion dollars of unfunded obligations that we have for Medicaid and Medicare and and school um school teachers programs and the list is endless um, we've got uh, people who are out of work, and so they really are looking for jobs. And so when you go out to the to the internet and you look at the uh, the National Guard side and the U.S. Army side, and they're looking for re- uh, relocation and internment specialists to hire young men who aren't working. Well, it sounds like a pretty good job, you know. I just have to go the government. Um, there's all sorts of things that, um, in the bigger context of, of what's going on, the, the, uh, the, the North American Union discussions between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, um, the globalist uh, looking at all the different things that are going on, that's on the one side of the equation. Mm-hmm. And I feel the other side of the equation is the massive awakening of the American sleeping giant called the general public. And I've had a lot of people say to me, how did we get into this mess? I said, because basically, to be quite blunt about it, we've been fat, dumb, and happy. You know, we've yeah. just kind of done our stuff and not paid much attention to what's been going on in our government. And, of course, we get the government we deserve. And people have, have allowed them to get away with this for so long that it's to the point where people are going, What? How did this happen? I can't. Now they're because of the internet, because of radio programs like you have, because of Coast to Coast and Alex Jones and all that have these massive audiences and YouTube and all these things where people are saying are waking up and they're going to town meetings and Mm -hmm. they're going to tea party meetings and they're having vaccination rallies that finally they're saying, you know, I'm I'm just mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. 
if finally they're not trusting their government, even the ones that were the real holdouts. Well, the and, government is not some like like out there. We are the government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, so, and we have to take that power back. It's not something sitting up on a hill somewhere. Right. We but, have to take that back. But we see there is a spirit, a collective spirit in Washington. Uh, you can look at it in spiritual terms, or you can even just look at it in terms that there is a certain elite that comes from a handful of schools where they're recruited for the upper post in civil service. And I, some of them are the politicians, elected officials. Some of them are the unelected staffers that run things. And they have a complete different worldview than the rest of the mass of us. So you, you are right. On paper, we are the people, and we have the right to reclaim it. Uh, for you know, with people that reflect our values, but at the same time, there is an infrastructure that has an elitist goal and purpose where they think they are as, as their own caretakers, making their own decisions. Yeah, I'm glad you made the point that uh, uh, you know we've been sort of fat, dumb, and happy uh, for so long. It's it's strange to me to see the amount of people that are waking up. Um, I had a conversation with somebody just two nights ago who was saying, "I'm not getting my kid vaccinated." Mm-hmm. There's stuff in there that I'm not getting vaccinated, mm-hmm. and I don't trust my government, and I'm going to this town hall meeting, and I've never done anything like this, but I'm I'm going because, uh, and he actually used the phrase, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to take it anymore. Well, and that really has them very, very frightened, and that's mm-hmm. why you see the Washington politicians are saying horrible things about those people. I know. They're actually calling them un-American when re- when and other kind of things. Calling but, yeah. They're calling them Nazis. Yeah. You know, and I've listened to some of these, and I'm sure you have and a lot of your listeners have. I mean, <clears throat> people that have that have gone to these meetings and have recorded them and put segments up on YouTube and even things that have been on, like, Fox News and on the national media. I think these senators are appalling that they can stand there in front of their constituents and call them names and say, I'm not going to deal with you. I mean, it's like, who gives you the right to yeah. say that? And where have we gotten to that point? And I honestly think it's almost like a race to the finish line. Almost like there's, we've got the New World Order people and the politicians on the one side racing to the finish line, and we've got this waking up uh, a mm-hmm. population that are saying, no, we're going to win. And they're like saying, no, we're going to win. And we have this race to the finish line. And it's now, are we going to get enough people awakened and, uh, and involved and, <clears throat> and trusting their own intuitive sense trusting what, you know, the spirit moves them to believe mm-hmm. as, as opposed to what's happening on the 6 o'clock news. Are we going to believe that? And I think that there's a race to the finish, and I think that that's one of the reasons why there's been this ramping up of things in our own government, because they're, they're very afraid that we're going to win. And I really, really hope that that's what's going to happen, that they will lose and we are going to win, because America sets the pace for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And we've got to take our country back. We really do. You know, I, and, I, and I had somebody on, pardon me, I had mm-hmm. somebody else say to me that this is this is not just about us and, you know, all of us living in our nice yes. houses and our kids' yes. soccer. This is God's country. And we have to do this from a spiritual perspective of what they are doing to God's country and take that back. You know, I guess I really can't dispute that much since uh, on the side of the car that I drive every day has a picture of a person with a <laughs> with a scalpel and a syringe in their hand with the crossbones on it and a, a demon behind them with strings pulling the strings on it uh, with us confronting them. So I guess it would be hard for me to dispute yeah. that position since 
That's, that's on bill, the side of the future. The billboard on the yeah. side of the future mobile, uh, <laughs> along with some other culprits too. They have some other henchmen <laughs> that are in there too. The, that's just that's just the technology side of their uh, of their activity. Mm-hmm. It's much more insidious than than the pain guns and the other kind of things that mm-hmm. they have for crowd control. Less than lethal. This is more than lethal weapons. This sure. is not less than sure. lethal weapons that they're using. And they're, I mean, they're capitalizing on their as one of the things that you hit on there. They're capitalizing on the fact that. Uh, you can demonize the general public and, you know, all that idea. When in reality, 50 years ago, well, maybe longer than that, it used to be Americana to sort of distrust the big, you know, the federal yes, government. Exactly. You know, and now it's And now it's like, oh, you don't right. like the federal government? Well, and well they, must they've, be learned a terrorist. Very, they've learned very easily to use the control of fear. Yes. You know, what motivates people at, at, at the base level, at, you know, at the very ground level is fear and greed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've learned how to control us with fear through their greed. <laughs> well, and, it, it, and we have laws to keep, uh, you know, uh, child molesters and, and uh, ones that push drug pushers so many feet away from school grounds. Very aggressive laws to keep them away. But yet we open the gate. And the people who have the death chemicals to stick in the bloodstreams of our children yeah. are, are with open arms uh, yeah. walked into the door. So it's it's like opening the back door to the hen house for yeah. for the wolf to come in. We're watch and make sure you don't take drugs, but we're going to give you a big shot of thimerosal. So. <laughs> we're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom, 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 Tom. Yeah. Dot 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 bionic. Well. Um, you know, I find, and I, I don't try to put Dr. Tenpenny on the spot because she is a medical doctor trying mm-hmm. to give medical information for health and welfare. Uh, I presume she has other opinions, both political, spiritual, other things about this. Mm-hmm. She tries to stay on message to not distract, and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But it becomes very obvious that she sees, I mean, she's smart enough to see the handwriting on the wall when you study this, mm-hmm. that, that this is part of a larger agenda that has other goals of control involved. I mean, mm-hmm. she can't help but mention that mm-hmm. uh, in sure. the show. No, well, it's funny. And, yeah. God, I just, I'm all fired up about it. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things where you talk to people about this, and sometimes I feel like I'm talking to, like, Neanderthals or something. Mm-hmm. They're, You're talking and, about in the studio? Yeah, well, I was, I was yeah. talking about in the mirror in the morning. Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, I look across there at the mirror, and I go, you shouldn't take that vaccine. The person looking back is like, that's not really bad. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking the government about. government says it's okay. The government is saying it's fine. All the leadership of the other countries don't say it's good. Yeah. But our country, they're different. The, two-thirds of the nurses in England says we'll rather quit our job than take the shot. But right. you need to take the shot. Quit with your Revelation 18 slash nuttiness. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about the Bible, but I know common yeah. sense. Yeah, quit reading the the worldview of the Bible so explicitly. Yeah. Because uh, that's basically what we're saying. You can either believe the world as the Bible says it is, or you can believe what the official press wire from our government of the day says it is. It's funny because I like people go, well, that's not really explicit. In my, in my mind, I'm thinking, how much more explicit could it be? Like a gigantic uh, Tylenol coming after you? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know what? First of all, people don't want to believe. Yeah. They're intimidated by it. And secondly, uh, they have to go look it up a little bit. And yeah. I, want to, I want to talk about that a little bit more, but we really need to bring Merv in to tell you all how to contact us here at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E 
at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. All right. We're coming up to the end of another day. DrTenPenny.com, Pandemic, excuse me, FluOnline.com. Pandemic FluOnline. And we'll have those links at FutureQuake.com. And be sure to take this interview, make copies of it off of FutureQuake.com, give to your friends. Until then, uh, for our next installment tomorrow, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, 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 dot, dot, dot. That was yesterday's middle name. Oh, okay. Let me come up with a new one. Uh, I am Tom. This show needs to be d- burned and downloaded and given to all of your friends and family. You guys need to get together and make uh, a network of prepared individuals to face whatever might be coming because it'll go- it, it may very well save your life. Bionic. And that's all we have for Future Quake today. <laughs> I'll remember that next time I ask you to correct it. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are here this week, and we're getting ready to have our third installment mm-hmm. of our interview with Dr. Sherry Tinpenny the author of Fowl, Bird Flu, It's Not What You Think, Mm -hmm. talking about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines. Mm -hmm. Uh, Incredibly important show. Um, The things we talk about are so intense on this show, we we, we have a little bit of humor in it because it's so hard to believe otherwise uh, what what we face. It's so realistic, lifted right out of the pages of the Bible. We're experiencing it today with just a little bit of deception, and we have a public that has been dumbed down by our education system. Mm-hmm. They can't see things. that they, I, I, I would believe that if you took the average farmer of 100 years ago mm-hmm. and you sort of showed them these kind of things and what the government's saying, they wouldn't believe a word of it. No. They would look at this and say, <laughs> we're being set up for something. Yeah. There's something. What's he the motive like, of the people doing it? Are you people out of your mind? I, right. I, I wonder about that, too. It's funny you mention people, like, shoot these chemicals up into your kids with... Particularly if there's a track record of all these terrible things it does. Are you crazy? I occasionally have this vision of people like Patrick Henry who were extremely anti-federalist. Uh, who, you know, they're just like, they see this stuff and you go, they, like, I envision, I envision him here in my chair. Mm-hmm. He listens to the whole thing very quietly, spends five minutes online checking some stuff, and then walks over to, you know, his cabinet and opens it up. And there are mm-hmm. all the stuff that he used to fight the Revolutionary War with and starts yeah. putting it on. He'd say, oh, <laughs> It's time to it's go like, to work again. It's, it's it's worse now than it was back when I did it the first time in yeah. the seventeenth century. Because I mean, we, we've got people now who are the product of our school system, mm-hmm. the, the 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 public school theory, you know, of educating mm-hmm. people that was led by the the foundations. Yeah. These, these nonprofit foundations had an agenda. We've got chemicals that have been put into our heads. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. through our food supply mm-hmm. for generations. These vaccines. The, the 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 Florida world. I mean, I'm I'm hitting it all out there, but hey, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. We have generations that have been exposed to this kind of stuff, and the thinking is so dull it affects our decisions about the political officials we get. It affects our lifestyle decisions we make, how we look at the corporate People world. People are like trained slaves. I said that. I think I said that Monday. People they act like trained slaves, and they don't they don't realize their captors are 
You know, right. like <laughs> just uh, right. You now, know. our Futurian friends get this. We don't want to beat a dead horse here and just no, be a show no. that complains all the time. But be patient with the people you share this information with. Uh, we all the time we run across people who say, "Well, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. Is our government cool? wouldn't be doing this bad things mm-hmm. for us." I know. Uh, I, I run into that when I show people the Bohemian Grove thing. They go, right. that really didn't happen. Right. Like, you just watched it on video. Right. But you are trying <laughs> to break somebody's entire worldview that has spent decades being built. It's hard to do. Being yeah. premeditated built, and you don't unlock it. And, and the thing that we need to rely on, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God, people go back, and when they read Revelation 18, and they see about the merchants of the earth, and the great, uh, the kings of the earth conspiring together, using pharmacia drugs mm-hmm. to deceive the nations of the earth. It's explicit in the Bible what's going on. Mm-hmm. So do totally. you believe the biblical view of how the world runs, or do you believe what you've been told? That's in not your really what's going on. Clearly what they meant is a gigantic aspirin is going to come to your door and in cases, you. In cases like we're talking today, it affects your children. It directly affects yeah. the, fate, the fate and welfare of your children and your family. And you got to make a decision which worldview you want. Do you want the biblical one, or do you want the one you've been fed, uh, as well as the agendas? You know, the Bible has an agenda. It's for you to be delivered and to have eternal communion with God. Mm-hmm. The people who speak to you today have other agendas. Mm-hmm. Okay, including which one, some of the leaders. Which one do you think is looking right. out for your best interest? Yeah. So, enough of our high horse. We'll have some more time tomorrow to talk about that, but we really need to bring our guest in. So, with no further ado, here's Dr. Sherry Tenpenny talking about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines. We'll be right back for a quick wrap up here on Future Quick. We we hear that things are going to really get bad this fall, and things have picked up in the last couple of weeks. Even on the mainstream media, that, that things are going to really hit it this fall, really, really bad. And now we just had in the last couple of days the discussion actually about the explosion uh, uh, is the word that they used uh, of incidents. Do you agree that this fall is going to be the tipping point? And if so, what do you think the ramifications are going to be? Um, and what do I, and what and if I agree, what was the last part? Well, what do you think the ramifications will be? Oh, the ramifications. Because every once in a while, there's like this little buzz that happens on the radio, on the on the thing here, and your that's, words blur out a little that's bit. That's the NSA people who yeah, are listening. That probably CIA. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a we have a truck outside with a little roving antenna outside, yeah. and we wave at them occasionally. But just when we uh, record our shows. Yeah, the next door neighbor's been working on their carpets for years now. It's yeah, very strange. Yeah, it's the same people coming in. It's just sometimes they're a plumber, sometimes yeah. they're something else but uh, always the rotating antennas you probably run into that a lot oh i have i have i used to there was years ago when i first started doing all this vaccine research there were several times where there were it was in the winter and i live in cleveland ohio so it's cold here (laughs) and and there was several times when there were white unmarked cars sitting out in front of my driveway across Mm -hmm. the street for hours and there was one time that i almost I almost got brave enough to go and say, and say, "Hey guys, you want to use the want to go to the bathroom? Want some hot chocolate? Sure. I got some coffee? Come on, for you. come on yeah. in! And if, and if you're really wanting some information, come on in. Let's chat about it. Sure. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm not hide, trying to hide anything here. <laughs> if, if you see them out there, wave, tell them Dr. Future and Tom Bionic say, yeah. "Yeah, would you?" I will. I'm I will. Sure, the next sure. time, I definitely will. And anybody listening right now, hello, good morning. Well, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they're drug reps, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, oh, out there. So back to the fall. Where, where yes. are we looking at this fall? Oh, I'm really concerned. You know, it's really, um, I've been involved in, in, in researching all of this vaccine information for almost 10 years. I've put more than 8,500 hours of my personal time into this. 
And I've always known that there was this dark side to what, to this whole vaccination issue. But never before in all the years that I've been doing this have I had such a, a sense of personal alarm about what I'm really afraid is going to be happening this fall in terms of they've already got, I mean, I've been plowing through many of the CDC planning documents that are hundreds of pages long, and they've been having adjuvant meetings about the squalene, and those documents are five to 600 pages long, and it's all laid out there. It's all there. The plan, it's like it's, it's like picking up, you know, doing a map quest and going from point A to point B and just following all the steps along the way of where you're going. Mm-hmm. The, the mass vaccination plan is definitely in place. They're going to be using school systems across the country. They've been talking to school administrators across the country saying, well, isn't the most obvious place of where we can capture these kids because we're putting pregnant women first and then children second and to vaccinate all of these people. And it's, and I'm so concerned that we're not going to have enough parents that are going to know about this and put their schools on notice that you are, you do not have the right to vaccinate my child. I'm refusing this vaccine. And if you do, you're going to have a lawsuit on your hands. Mm-hmm. And, and, and giving the school nurse and the school administrator, ta- making them take personal responsibility. Okay. You want my kid vaccinated to come in here for a, to go to school that I've already pre-funded with my tax dollars. So I've already paid for this education. It's public education on my tax dollars, prepaid, because I, I paid taxes for five years before this child came to school. So I've got a prepaid education starting here. And you're insisting that my child get injected with an experimental vaccine that may that is already showing high levels of toxicity and that may have an additive in it called squalene that may cause chronic disability for the rest of his life. You're insisting that my child get this? Well, sign this piece of paper here, school nurse and hospital or community administrator, that you will personally take responsibility and be liable for everything that happens to my child if my child has to get vaccinated. It's it's coming to that. We're going to have to be that strong in our resistance. We really are. That's right. And it's going to be hard for the U.S. government to make this vaccine mandatory because, as we said at the beginning of the, of the session here, vaccination issues are state issues. They're not government issues. But in these planning documents, they talk about the federal and state partnership to ramp up the vaccination programs. So the, the, the schools or the states have been given tens of millions of dollars to ramp up their ability to vaccinate in this partnership with the federal government. There's laws in place that say that your exemption rights in your individual states will absolutely be set aside. And those exemptions are for when the U.S. government declares a absolute pandemic manda- uh, uh, emergency, there may be no exemptions and no exceptions. And how do they force you to take that vaccine is not necessarily by you know, making you roll up your arm, but by making it excuse me, very hard to refuse. Like you can't go to work because there's more than 400 people in your building and they won't allow congregations of people unless they've been vaccinated. Um, maybe you won't be allowed on an airplane. Maybe you won't be allowed on public transportation. Maybe you won't be allowed to go to the bank because there's a big group of people there. So they or could a supermarket. make not supermarket. Yeah, supermarket. You know, it's almost um, like you wouldn't be able to buy or sell without some kind of mark on yeah. your, on your I, hand. You know, it's funny you mention that because I've actually heard that they've been in one of the documents talking about this mandatory vaccination. They've been talking about giving people some type of either a chip or an armband. Uh, mm-hmm. that they have to take 
to, to recognize them as a vaccinated individual. But then you'd be able to buy or sell after that. Yeah. That's the thing. That sounds familiar to me. I don't know where, where I've heard that. <laughs> I don't know where you might have heard that either. So, yeah. You know, it's a preposterous sort of... idea. I don't know anybody would have ever thought that could have come to reality in a modern <laughs> modern era here. So, so you think the fall, it will be coming to a head possibly. I think that between this between this fall and over the course of the next 12 to 15 months, because um, is, is we're going to see changes that are going to happen in this country that are going to scare a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I really encourage people to, to pray hard, and, but get prepared. <laughs> you know, get the things in your house that you need, get food, water, have shelter, have cash on hand, have things to protect yourself. Um, there, it's, it's, there, and, and the way that I sort of put this out to people so that it doesn't just sound like conspiracy, conspiracy theory and and lots of um, people being really afraid is if suddenly you were sitting there watching your six o'clock news and this announcement came on that said that there was severe thunderstorm warnings and there's a tornado warning in your area would you keep watching television or would you go to the basement mm-hmm. i'd probably keep <laughs> watching know? television honest, honestly <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, you know, would you, would you, if they, if they said that, and you right. looked out the window and it, the right. trees were spinning and, and you could see all the thunder and the lightning and you thought, wow, you know, maybe this tornado is in my neighborhood. Maybe I should go to the basement. That's how I'm kind of looking at these warnings right now. Look at this as a severe tornado warning. Mm-hmm. Get yourself prepared mm-hmm. and go to your basement right. and hope that the storm just blows right on through and it's like a big old West Texas thunderstorm and makes a lot of noise and, and a lot of wind and, and stuff. And But some people are going to get hit by that tornado. But there will be another storm through if this one doesn't hit your house. The next one will. And we're in a stormy world right now. Uh, the, the, right now, the... Uh, the threat du jour is the bird flu. Uh, this is one no, technique, flu. or swine flu, excuse me, swine flu. Mm-hmm. This is the one thing that, that the state is using right now by which to take further advantage of centralized control. It will be, it'll be food limitations the next time. It'll be other kind of things. But it's the same modus operandi. And I'm, and I'm not trying to take the hard medical data you're saying and, and, and trying to obfuscate it. But uh, the, the fact is your preparations that you're talking about are good for multiple reasons of which this, this flu issue is one of them. Absolutely. And what you said about if it's not this time, it's another time. And a lot of the people, like, there's a big group of us that have been very active in disseminating information about this vaccine, and it's through a website that's called uh, PandemicFluOnline.com. PandemicFluOnline.com. And it was started by a group of us, and, and part of my contribution to that was saying, we're always telling people to do something, but we never give them the tools to do it. And people will say, what can I do? What can I do? Well, what we've done on that website is we've given people tools. We've given them PowerPoint presentations, which if aren't up there now, they're soon to be. There's flyers. There's handouts. There's um, little articles that you can you can print out and give out to people in your community. And I put together a, a two-page flyer. It's, it's a front and back printout. It's called The Truth About the Flu Shot. And I've printed out a whole bunch of those, and I keep a folder of them in the back seat of my car. And yesterday I was over at the mall getting my hair cut, and I took a handful in with me. And while I was walking through the mall, I went into each one of those businesses, and I just walked in. I said, hey, good morning. Here's some information I think you might want to take a look at. Dropped off two of them said, have a good day. Kept on walking. 
And I don't need to engage in it. I don't need to fight with anybody about right. it. I just yeah. need to give them the information because you never know where that's going to end up. Well, that's been worst, our technique. That's been our technique here, by the way. Uh, our good friend Tom here, he's been, uh, you know, looking at different things like that too, and other guests that we've had on our show. It's a non-threatening activity to be able to present information and people let it do with it what they want. Mm-hmm. Sort of like scattering seed on the ground. That's right. Sometimes you'll hit bad ground. Sometimes you'll hit good ground. Right. But but you've made the information available, and you've done what your conscience dictates before God uh, to warn people. Yeah, and they it, exactly. And, you know, if you just do it, like you said, in non-threatening ways and just hand the information out, um, the worst that's going to happen is it's going to get in the wastebasket. Right. Mm-hmm. The best that might happen is maybe a person will take it to their church, and they will give it out to 500 people. And maybe they will take it down to their fire department and, and tell their first responders. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will. I mean, one of the things that I encourage people to, hand, uh, to, to print out, it's on my website, which is drtenpenny.com, is a, uh, a flyer from the Oath Keepers group. You know, these are people who say, we're not, we swore an oath to this Constitution, and we are not going to medicate people. We are not going to force people at gunpoint. We are not going to take orders to fight and fire against the American people. Yeah. I am here to protect and defend against, against all invaders, both foreign and domestic. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the Constitution says. And that would be a, a good site to take your local doctor and your your friends who in your church who are police officers or things, make them aware of that site and make sure that they can be on record so people know that they're a refuge if they need to in, in that case to be able to find protection. Now, uh, we will be mentioning your websites and also your book at the conclusion of every day's show, and I want our listeners to know that uh, when we do our little summary at the end of it so people will know every day uh, where they can find this information because the information you've compiled are are Credible medical data that's that's above reproach. Medical data. This is not rumor, not internet rumor. This is hard data that our government conveniently forgets to mention. And certainly, pharmaceuticals are not disseminating the information. But it's hard data. Sometimes it's data that's uh, international data that the U.S. media is not, uh, you know, uh, talking about here. But but good clinical data that will totally shock people if they have any kind of reservations at all about uh, embracing the information that you're telling us. So, you know, we uh, Tom and I go across the news wires and other kind of places uh, on the web to get this information and share it every week with people. Mm-hmm. But you have one-stop shop for people to get this information and know what's really going on, correct? Yeah, between pandemic flu online and also on the, on the homepage of drtenpenny.com, there is a, a, a section that's, that says important documents. And these are PDF files that I've gotten from the government and gone through and annotated with yellow highlights and call-out boxes and red squares so that, to show where the information is that's important so people don't have to slog through those um, really, you know, heavy documents. Mm-hmm. If they can just skim down through those big PDF files and just look at where those things have been yellow highlighted. And I'm also creating a, a, a separate Word document that has all the bullet points of those things. So, again, people can print these out because if people haven't been listening to your show or they haven't been reading my stuff and you go up to somebody who's completely like, well, what do you mean vaccines right. are bad? Right. Now you have to have something to give them that comes from a credible source, not from Dr. Tenpenny, not from your radio show, but from the U.S. government that says this is what we're doing and this is what we're planning to do to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And you, you have been working tirelessly to develop that database of credible information 
that that anyone with with an open mind and just looking at data should come to the same conclusion. Uh, regarding the the formulas that they're coming up with now for these vaccines, can you tell us a little bit about what their composition is, the history of these ingredients, and and the safety background of the mm-hmm. ones that they're planning to use? With the swine flu vaccine? Yes. Well, the swine flu virus, the H1N1 virus, is appearing more and more as though it was manufactured in a laboratory and, and released. And that, when I first started hearing that, I wasn't quite sure. I had sort of my, my eyebrow raised about right. that because I, I do know that um, I did some research on this and found that the combination of bird viruses, pig viruses, and human viruses are definitely a possibility in the mucous membranes in the back of a pig's throat that they have viral receptors for all those different types of influenza A viruses. So it is possible that the pig throat mucous membranes can be a mixing pot for putting together these different viruses and creating new ones as they swap and exchange their H and N antigens. However, this one has no historical genetic backdrop, according to virologists. And so I've, uh, over time, I've come to the conclusion on that and been led to the conclusion that this is more of a manufactured virus than actually a wild endemic virus. Hmm. So that virus, as they're using it to manufacture the large amounts of virus that they need for the vaccine, is not replicating very well, which is, again, telling me that it's synthetic because, you know, synthetic things don't grow as well as what natural things do. And they're only getting about a 20% yield of the amount of virus that they think they need to create all these hundreds of millions of of shots. Hmm. So what's going to end up happening is when people hear the word antigen, think virus. And when you hear the word adjuvant, think additive or something additional that's going in there so that you can take a quart of virus or a quart of antigen and you can make it into 20 gallons by being able to put this additive in there, this adjuvant, and slice it up into smaller and smaller pieces. Well, the adjuvants that they're putting in are adjuvants, one from, uh, that's called ASO3, made from glasgow smith Klein, and the other one that's called MF59, made from Novartis, and both of them are oil-in-water adjuvants, which means that they have squalene in them. Um, neither of those, th- those uh, molecules, ASO3 or MF59, are approved for use in flu shots in this country. And it's going to be probably um, in the next six weeks or so, they're going to say, oh, my gosh, flu season starting. We need the vaccine. We don't have enough antigen. Oh, we're going to have to fast-track the approval of these, of these adjuvants, these toxic adjuvants that can cause all sorts of debilitating disease. And we're going to put them into these uh, vaccines so that we have enough to go around. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that um, this, the, these, these adjuvants have not been able to get approval by the U.S. FDA in, previously because all the experiments that they've done on experimental animals have shown that they're horribly toxic. There's only been two very small studies that were done in Europe with MF-59, and MF-59 is the adjuvant that was in the anthrax vaccine that we're quite sure contributed to Gulf War syndrome in many of our veterans. And so it's that's what's going to be in the vaccines. The other part is that uh, in order to ramp up production, Novartis, ha- Novartis has a cell line technology that has been approved for use in Europe but not in the U.S. using um, cells retinal cells from aborted fetal tissue in order to put the viruses in there and make the viruses replicate much more quickly. Those cells do end up in the vaccine. Those are cells of retina from aborted fetal tissue is what they use. They're called PER-C6 cells, P-E-R dot C6 cells. 
and <clears throat> those neither that has that technology has not been approved for use in the U.S. However, Novartis was granted by the U.S. government a multi-billion-dollar contract to develop a cell line technology flu shot factory in North Carolina, which is about half constructed at this point. So within a couple of years. Novartis will be the number one producer of cell line technology vaccines and MF-59 in the world. Now, and this will will actually have the aborted fetus material in it at that time? Absolutely. And these cell lines, there's several cell lines. One is, um, you know, the eggs, when the regular, regular flu shot is grown in eggs, and so um, avian bird viruses get in those shots. Um, little particles of egg get in those shots, and that's why people who are allergic to eggs are advised not to take the flu shot because of the allergic potential. There are dog kidney cells that are used. There's these retinal cells from aborted fetal tissues. Um, the MMR vaccine and chickenpox vaccine uses aborted cells from uh, uh, cells from aborted fetal tissues. And there's a new one that's coming out that they that it's that they're going to be using insect cells, insect eggs. And all of those cells do get in the vaccines because three times a year there's a special committee of the FDA that meets to discuss the other things that are in these vaccines besides just virus and sterile water. There's stray viruses. There's all these animal cells and animal DNA. The cells are the um, the uh, vaccines are supposed to keep a a specific quantity of animal DNA under a I think it's like 10 micrograms or 10 um, 10 microliters or something like that of DNA. It's supposed to be the manufacturing process is supposed to keep it under that quantity because they know that that animal DNA in those vaccines injected into children causes problems. So, and this is not just consuming it like we, we eat animal byproducts. This is injected straight into our bloodstream, th- these yep. animal products. I mean, we, we already have agribusiness that is taking all of their, their mer- merging DNA of, of plants and animals with, with minimal safeguards or even uh, declarations to us as a consumers. We're, we're taking that in. So there's a competition between agribusiness putting it into our digestive system, and now we have the vaccine people injecting it straight into our bloodstreams. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and that's and that's one of the things with these squalene-based adjuvants. I mean, squalene is a naturally normal occurring molecule in our bodies. It's used in the manufacturing process of cholesterol, which, by the way, cholesterol just isn't intrinsically a bad guy. I mean, it's there mm-hmm. for a reason, and we need it. Right. And so squalene is used in our bodies to manufacture cholesterol. So it's a normal recur- occurring bo- product. You can buy squalene um, shark cartilage tablets and supplements, and, and some of the oils mm-hmm. have squalene in them. So when you just exactly like what you said, when you eat them, it goes in the entire digestive process. Mm -hmm. But when you inject that into the body, the body sees that little protein molecule as foreign and creates an antibody to go and neutralize that foreign protein that's been floating now injected into your bloodstream. Now, after that's gone, you've got this antibody that's looking for squalene. It's looking, looking, looking. It's like a little homing device. And what does it see? It starts seeing the squalene that your body intrinsically makes that's in the cell surfaces of all the cells in your body. So that antibody, a little homing device, goes, ah, there's some squalene. Let's go over there and start attacking that. And that's where the autoimmune diseases come from Mm -hmm. and where the breakdown of all of the things that happen in the neurological system come from. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future and Tom, Tom, Tom.
dot 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 comma dot bionic. Okay. Well, we have to hurry because yep. because of my rant at the beginning of the show, we can only basically wrap things up. We'll have more considerable ranting tomorrow right. and more ramifications I'm, as we I'm wrap up the interview. I'm fired up, man. I'm fired up. At least people getting Dr. Tenpenny or getting, getting the straight story. Um, but with no further ado, we need to let Merv tell you how you can contact us here at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to say goodbye. Say, say those websites again, real quick. PandemicFluOnline.com, DrTenPenny.com, and MedicalHost.org. You can also find it under this show at FutureQuake.com. Yes. Come back for the thrilling finish to the show. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. So fired up I may need to walk around the Future Quake compound one time. Bionic. You know, that's happening more and more often with you and with the stuff we're, we're covering. I know because it's so ridiculous that it's so ridiculous that on one hand here we have this medical expert who's written books, who's a doctor who works at this prestigious place where, you know, people from nine different countries and 38 states have come to be treated for different illnesses and ailments. And by the way, for our, for people just tuning in today, uh, we're going to be finishing our interview today with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, author of Foul Bird Flu, It's Not What You Think, talking about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines. Just want to make sure new listeners Thanks. today Sorry. on the VNO know. I'm, I'm just so, like, I'm so fired up, I'm not okay. making any sense. As you were saying. Um, here she is, this eminent, eminent physician in her field. She's a doctor. She knows what she's talking about. When you present people with this research, they go, oh, that doesn't make me yeah. feel good. I'm going to ignore it. Yeah. But this is one you got to come down one way or the other and soon because it's mm-hmm. not like we're talking about some ephemeral, murky, hidden conspiracy of thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. We're talking about something where you're going to have to decide in a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. Are you going to put the shot in your arm mm-hmm. or are you not? For people in our in our radio listening op- audience, particularly particularly in Henderson, Hendersonville, uh, they have the Hendersonville Vaccination Awareness Network, which has Where? various yeah, which has various forms and stuff. Uh, if you don't want your kid to get vaccinated, you can show them that. Uh, also, as far as the Gardasil shots, uh, uh, from what I've heard, several people have said uh, that those are mandatory. Uh, those are not mandatory. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let don't let the uh, let make the school show you those laws. Right, and that happens all the time. Even mm-hmm. policemen sometimes will say, "Look, th- th- you have to do this. This is a law. Mm-hmm. And it's often not a law." Yeah. Sometimes they can be mistaken. Sometimes they can. They just well, yeah, get well, rid of you. whatever. Yeah. But uh, don't just because somebody tells you mm-hmm. this is the way it is or not doesn't mean that's the way it is or not. It's, and you don't have to be ugly about it. But you just don't be have very, to believe. Yeah. Well, you know? and look at look at uh, one of the people you mentioned just a couple days ago, 
uh, one of our recent guests, William Grigg, mm-hmm. had some had some people come to his thing, and he was polite but firm right. in how he addressed them. Exercised his rights. Yes, and mm-hmm. that's that's what you have to do. You know, like that gentleman there in uh, Arizona mm-hmm. who showed up to the rally, you know, exercising right. his right for open carry. And yeah, if somebody just are, says you can't do that, it's like show me the law. That doesn't mean if if I go to a used car dealership. And somebody says, oh, this car, you know, it does this and this and doesn't have any problems. Mm-hmm. I don't just believe them just because they told me. And I guess, oh, well, they're an authority figure, they're a dealer. You know, mm-hmm. I handle these cars all the time. Mm-hmm. That still doesn't mean they're right. No, but yet we treat other figures like that all wrong. of the time. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you have to be argumentative and always, you know, paranoid of people all mm-hmm. the time. But the stakes are high with us, particularly when it talks about your children getting all these diseases and mm-hmm. other life-changing things or yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, know you, know what your rights are. Well, and gosh, there's a lot of things I want to say, but I'll 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 say this: freedom is like a right, or freedom is like a muscle. You know, sometimes you have to exercise it. And uh, we here in America, uh, particularly our our uh, the people who we seem to talk to, I think are beginning to wake up and exercise that right. But in general, um, it's just that muscle has atrophied, and people don't realize how strong it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've just sort of it's gone out of their heads. You know, they go, well, that makes mm-hmm. me uncomfortable. I don't like that. Your, well, your, your, your family's health is at stake right mm-hmm. now with this. Yes. You, this, is, this could be really, really important, like life and death decision. Right, right. And you can't afford to just kind of be like, well. Right. You've got to take action. And I know people are saying, hey, we want to hear Dr. Tenpenny. So yeah. we need to go. Yeah, we'll have go. one more time to wrap mm-hmm. it up here. With no further ado, here's Dr. Sherry Tenpenny talking about the impending menace of mandated dangerous vaccines. And we'll be right back to have a pretty extended wrap-up here at Future Quake. There may be listeners that are saying, I don't care how gruesome this list of things that you, that you say that you're injecting. What's the clinical data say? If the data says that it's safe, no matter what, that's all that matters. But, but the, this quite wine, frankly, it doesn't say that okay. it's safe. The swine flu experience before that you mentioned the 70s caused widespread paralysis. Uh, and as I understand that the death ratio was like 25 to 1 of people who were killed from the vaccine versus the, the actual swine flu. Is that, is that something on the, that order? You know, I don't know what those ratio numbers were, but I do know that um, there was in the swine flu of 1976, one person died from the swine flu. Well, I understood there, were, there was one death from swine flu, the flu, 25 deaths from the vaccine, and a lot, thousands that, that actually had the paralysis uh, effect that occurred well, from I, this. And that, that same kind of thing can happen again, correct, the paralysis behavior with this oh, new absolutely. one? Okay. Well, a- absolutely. In so. fact, they're already anticipating it. I've seen two mm. PowerPoint presentations by people from the CDC that said, once we start mass vaccinating people at this very high level, we're going to expect to see these people die, and we're going to expect to see injuries. So since we're expecting it, it's okay, nothing, nothing mm-hmm. to be worried about. Yeah, the British boards have said that. They've sent message to their general practitioners to expect to see this and to have a reporting process when it happens. I think the Germans, I've got a German yeah. from Build magazine that says that. What well, were you and I was going to well, gosh, there's so much I want to comment on. Yeah. Uh, this is... This is almost too evil for words, you know. How do you <laughs> – it's, uh-huh. it's so bad. Um, I, I remember speaking specifically about foreign, uh, foreign doctors. Uh-huh. Uh, I, read a, I read an article that said that two-thirds of the, two-thirds of the nurses in um, England were, were going to refuse to take right. the, the shots. That's right. Two-thirds. That's right. Yeah. And there's a big revolt going on in Canada – 
And there's a big, you know, now all the nurses in New York have been, uh, there's a policy that passed that said in order for it, for any hospital worker or nursing home worker to retain their jobs, mm-hmm. they're going to have to get the swine flu vaccine this fall. Mm-hmm. And that was just passed about a week ago in New yeah. York. And so now what I said earlier about, oh, they may not come door to door and force you to roll up your sleeve and take this shot, but all of these things that are coming down the road will make it increasingly difficult to refuse it. Right, right. They can play a defensive game and deny you essential services unless you've taken provision yourself to have access to them. And uh, don't fear if you all really want your vaccines and you're afraid that your your neighbors who who, who want to uh, turn away from taking it. uh, We've already got soldiers uh, stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia, with the less than lethal weapons that can make sure that they can keep control here. Well, just the last week or so they've been talking about boosting that number from 3,500 troops specifically for crowd control. I think they now recommend that they would need 400,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was... First they said 40,000, and then they said, no, 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 it's got to be much bigger than that. It's got to be 400,000, right. 450,000. Well, you, you guys have probably both seen the movie V for Vendetta, right? You know, that's the one that I haven't seen, but it's very interesting because of the person who wrote that. Yes. What were you going to comment on about that? It's, it's an absolute must-watch for everybody. In fact, you know, and, and what I tell everybody is that you have to watch it a minimum of two times because the first time through you're just getting the storyline and the plot and all that mm-hmm. stuff. The second time through, you start to really see it. I probably, and I'm not much of a movie person. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband's, you know, big movie guy, but I'm not much of a movie person. But I've watched this movie probably nine or ten times, and every time I've seen it, I've seen something else. And it is so relevant to what's actually happening mm-hmm. right now. Wow. People, it's really an amazingly relevant film. And I mean, I think it was done in 2006. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it basically shows you know, the government turning against the people and releasing a virus on the children, which then ramps up all of this government control and mind control technologies that they use through the television. Hmm. And then at the end of the movie, there is, you know, the people take their country back. So there's a, it's a ho- very hopeful message at the end of it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very relevant. And I, I, it's, it's really something that people should, should take seriously and take, take note of really. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. That, that message you just said is very useful to have, but people need to continue to be circumspect on what's going on. And are we subject to a Hegelian dialectic? where yes. they're trying to synthesize us to a third stage through this thesis and antithesis because the, the reason I mention this is that uh, Gentleman Morris, his last name, that uh, actually wrote that and, and produced it, is a high-practicing witch. Uh, he's also the yeah, one that did Watchmen. Not just a high-practicing witch in the sense well, that... Well, the top like in the world. A, yeah, he's... Yeah. He worships <laughs> a, a Typhon, I believe is his name, the a, a snake god mm-hmm. of Rome. But... Um, what, what the part of what he's saying is correct that these things are going on they know this is going on and there will be a revolt we better be careful at the same time to find out who our saviors are because mm-hmm. there may be a manufactured confrontation and mm-hmm. a savior arises to get us out of this. and and I'm not trying to do this to diminish people taking action at all I think we all need to people who who trust each other need to work together to to provide resistance to tyranny. But be careful on who we really fully vet who our saviors are in these kind of things is what I'm saying. Well, and it's particularly easy when you have a grassroots movement for somebody who's sort of in charge and knows how to say the right things to come in and say, 
I'm in charge. Right. You know, Rick, uh, what was right. his name? Rick Perry was doing that at the tea parties there mm-hmm. in Texas. You know, yeah. who's right. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, the, party. The, the same, <laughs> that's right. And the, the same gentleman did the, the Watchmen series, the graphic novel. That's the most popular. And, and what, what that showed was an artificial threat of some kind of alien invasion that, that actually destroyed New York City that was manufactured to unite people together in one government in, in that story. And there was a, a gentleman who was basically an autocrat ruler of the world that set that up as a deception to unite the people against this manufactured threat. So all I'm saying is it is extremely complicated. But we, we have numerous groups of people who are, are very overt in their threat to us, and there are those who are covert yeah. that, that try to use it. And I don't want to make people go from paranoid to hyper-paranoid. <laughs> But, but the, one of the things of what you said about that is true because and one of the the bellwethers in my opinion of the of the people who you know maybe are the are, are are not the people you should be following are people who suddenly arrive on the scene and try to take control of things right. and they become a disruptor you've right. got an entire group of, of people going in this direction and they go ah no that's not right you need to look at this 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 and this mm-hmm. and then the people in the group start spending a, a, more of their time sort of inter- engaging or fighting against or trying to convince this distractor than just putting the distractor on the shelf and keeping on with their mission. Well, and that's what you described with mm-hmm. the tea parties. Mm-hmm. These yep. guys came in and co-opted them, yeah. took over, and they spun it for their agenda, well-meaning activities of the citizenry. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. it got up on stage, and uh, which was interesting because yeah. originally it was just a grassroots meeting of people yeah. getting together, a couple right. hundred, and then suddenly... Why is there a stage at our meeting point? We, oh, they, look, it's Rick Perry. Let's shut him down. They clothed them in the mantle of populism. Yeah. When they were the ones creating the problems to begin with, mm-hmm. I think that back to the drug companies, they will also save us from all these horrible diseases that were created by the very vaccines that they created. Yeah. Back, back to your original comment. So they'll be seen as the great saviors. That's probably where the riots will be is when people try to get their hands on some chemicals to relieve them of the terrible distress that were given by the vaccines that they had received before. So. Mm-hmm. That's a good thought. I, I know there's a, you, you've talked about these exercises in the in the state of Maine. They're mm-hmm. doing these exercises of uh, the people attacking these convoys of uh, these vaccines. You know, I, my first thought was they're probably attacking them in vengeance for what they did to them and their children. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it, it could be that they, they create a, basically a drug dependency, uh, which I think has already happened in our culture already. Uh, and probably in concert with our food supply, providing addictive things that then the medical industry has to to remedy. Yeah. Um, but 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 the fact is, we we you have strong convincing evidence that this kind of stuff is commonplace, correct? Right, I these, do. These kind yeah, of nefarious you, motives. Yep, and I have to kind of tell you, I've I sort of slotted this till ten o'clock today, mm-hmm. and I know you're recording this, but it's getting pretty close to ten. So okay. sure. if there's some kind of wrap up oh, things that okay. you want to address, well, we want to we want to do that because I wanted to talk to you, and I will have to make another day about Tamiflu and the fact that children that are receiving this are having horrible, horrible psychotic events. And it could be completely just a chemical-based effect that occurs. I think there may be a spiritual component as well, too, uh, compared to what we talked about. But it's a clear sign that these kind of drugs are causing this problem. So if we need to call it early on our uh, on our discussion here, then I, then I want to ask you, what is it that we need to do? Can you give us some kind of clear signs on... In three the, minutes, save the world. Well, <laughs> what, 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 are the, what are the specific things... Yeah, she, I'm sure she doesn't need that long. Yeah. What do we need to do? I'm assuming we probably need to hole up and be prepared to have things to try to ride it out in our homes. 
yes. and maybe make ourselves like uh, it doesn't look like we're around. Yes, and to form to 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 uh, circle the wagons and have a community around you of like-minded people, because you can't do this by yourself. Okay. And and so a community of like-minded people, whether that's people that you know colleagues at work, people in your church, um, whatever your commu- your personal community is, um, you need a a body of like-minded people that when if and when the going gets really tough that you can circle the wagons and you've got a collective around you to uh, of people who are, are like-minded. Mm-hmm. And when I say like-minded, I mean, that can be anything. I mean, if there, you can have a like, bunch of like-minded right. people that want to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then you have to maybe make a plan of saying, well, they're going to be rationing this vaccine. Um, how do we make a plan that we're going to get it to vac- you know, for our family? I mean, whatever your like-mindedness is, I think that that's very important. And that's why these tools, spreading these tools around and finding out what's going on in your community. Mm-hmm. I've been so surprised at how many people when I talk, just even briefly said, you know, I hand them this flyer that says the truth about the flu shot. And they go, oh, I never get that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. But, and it's yeah. like, oh, but look at what's coming and now know why you don't get it and really figure out it's not going to be just as easy as saying, I don't want it. Well, it's can, going to be much harder than that. Can you clarify just real quick, I know you have to run, why the community is important. I mean, I personally, my family can store food water, other kind of things to take provision. Why is it that you need a network of people if everybody's sort of doing that independently? Because um, because you can't do this alone, and it's kind of sort of a divide and conquer. And so, if you've got a collection of people that are working together for a common common good, you're you're less 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 likely to be harassed. Okay, all right. That's my opinion. Well, and I'll give you one classic example. If people want to check out one of our regular guests, uh, Will Grigg. Uh, if you go to freedominourtime.blogspot.com, you'll see a recent incident that he had with the state where, where a similar group like this was a lifesaver for his family uh, of people who had sat down together and had already prepared ahead of time what to do when draconian measures happened, and it can affect your family immediately right now. Dr. Timpany, I want to thank you so much. I, there's so much more I want to ask you about, but I realize you're in high demand and you have you have other family issues and things to deal with. But I just want to thank you, and I just want to wish God's blessings on you in uh, your mission. Thank you for your tireless efforts on our behalf. You're welcome. And as this thing unfolds, um, please be in contact with me because maybe there's some other time that we can we can get together and further this conversation as it unfolds in real time. Well, that would be great. I hope you felt like this was a constructive discussion here. Oh, it was ab- absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. You have a standing invitation, uh, birdflupandemic.com. Nope. Oh, Pandemic no, flu no. online. Pandemicfluonline.com. Thank you for and correcting me. Dr. Tenpenny. And drtenpenny.com. <laughs> we'll have those correct links yeah. on our website. And there's and there's another link I would like for you to have. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, medicalvoices.org that I'm hosting twice weekly uh, webinars, free webinars uh, mm. for people all about anybody who's anybody in the vaccine awareness movement mm-hmm. is on these webinars talking about a whole variety of things. Mm-hmm. And people just have to go. And we're having anywhere from four to 800 people on each on those calls, on wow. those webinars. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's medicalvoices.org. Um, the webinars are free. You just go and register. And if you guys could viral that out to get more sure. and more people mm-hmm. on those, that would be fantastic. And, and if you have any kind of urgent newsletters that you send out, put us on your distribution list. We will read them on air as soon as we get them. Mm-hmm. Just, 
So if you want to go to um, drtenpenny.com and sign up right. for the newsletter for the for my email list, okay. then you'll have all of that stuff. So just put your personal emails in there, so then you'll be able to get it. And I I also just want to say people need to go order your book. It's still available, Fowl? Yep, yep, absolutely. It's an absolute playbook. Alex Jones calls it an amazing, um, profe- amazingly prophetic book. If you're on the fence about this whole issue, if you're not quite sold on what we're talking about, the book goes from the very beginning, talking about the origins of what's happening. It's very methodical. It goes through the whole thing, and when you get to the last part of it, it'll be a slam dunk. You'll yes. say, hey, the, the whole story is here, the whole, that they've made an entire compelling case of what's going on, and you will, you will have a different viewpoint at the end of that book than you did at the beginning. And it's called Foul Bird Flu. It's not what you think. And yes, it's available right. at your same website, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. God bless you, Dr. Timpenny. Thank you so much for your time with us. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Uh-huh. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And, Tom, you aren't giving me MS-59 or AS-03. It's just not happening. Bionic. Hey, that's a good la- middle name. I like that middle yeah. name. Uh well, that's it. Uh, wish we had more time with Dr. Tenpenny, but she's got to go a million places at once. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thankful for the time she gave to our humble show. Mm-hmm. But you got, you heard the essential things. We've been covering this for some time in our new segments on Future Quake. Uh, the time has come to make a decision. I, I, for one, would like to contact uh, our state representative, uh, Susan Lynn, in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually... Uh, Make sure she. Now she, I think she's running for Senate now in the in the state, uh, so she's going to be her hands full. Oh. But she needs to be. She's one who I think would would take action on this. I think so too. And uh, if I can get a hold of our local congressman for the U.S. Congress, I want to find out where we stand here, our state, because mm-hmm. she said it's a state issue. Uh, it's very very hard to change anything in Washington, but you might be able to have. Some people you have access to in your state. Well, and the thing to that really, fence around I, I get a, I, I heard her say that too, and I didn't get a chance to comment just because there were so many things that right. you know we could, you could go down a rabbit hole with any of these things. But just in the last year, the governors, uh, there's been a, there's been a, a concerted push by the federal government to federalize the governors. Right. And so, if this is a state issue, and then suddenly they have the governors are federal. You know, federal mandated people serve at the pleasure of the federal government. Mm-hmm. Then it ain't a state issue anymore. That's right. It's, you we know, lose that. Yeah, we lose that precious right that we have. Totally. And and on top of that, those two, a couple of governors are saying, there's people out there saying that look, this is just a thing that Obama and the administration wants to bring in, used to bring in martial law. That Representative mm-hmm. Brown from I think Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, two two senators. Two senators somewhere in the Northeast have said this whole thing looks incredibly suspicious. You've got, uh, I think, the governor of West Virginia who has said this thing is nuts. You know, it's just, it's right. Ah, right. Come on, people. Well, uh, something <laughs> she said that's very important is that she said a lot of things. It's that not going to, re- yeah, it's not going to require them to go to your door and wrestle to your ground and jab you with it. Okay, mm-hmm. who knows what might happen, but it's not necessary. All they have to do is to say. If you didn't get the shot, you were at a risk to the rest of the public. So we can't let you in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. We can't let you in a bank or in a federal building or anything like that. So you have been isolated like a leper colony. Now, mm-hmm. if you choose for the safety of your family not to take these vaccines, and there is overwhelming medical data that says that that, that is true. Okay, if you want to look online, listen to the, some of our prior shows, things like this. So if you, um, you know, if 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 you feel like you want to do that. You're probably going to have to stay in your home uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had uh, an expert from FEMA, Dr. Melissa Riley, that's been on our show before. Uh, she has said you've got to prepare for this for maybe three months or even up to six months mm-hmm. of, of till the waves go through. Mm-hmm. So what you seriously need to do is to look at stockpiling food. Mm-hmm. And and maybe water. Hopefully the utilities still run. This all sounds crazy, but our own no, government doesn't. FEMA website say you should do that anyway. Yeah, I was going to say they, they, they say, say that you right should do it there on the website. You need a you need a water source, and I would recommend getting a water filter of some type, particularly a uh, mm-hmm. Berkey. Uh, they're actually running a special now. If you do have essential medications like insulin, mm-hmm. anything like that, that you absolutely have to have. You should get advanced. You need to get it. Cost. You need to get it right now. Yeah. You need to not. A week from now, or you know, right. you need to start doing that right now. You need to get dry goods that will keep for a long time. You know, rice and beans. Uh, I'm a big fan of chili, so I got mm-hmm. chili. Right. Um, you need to just make provisions of sort of cocooning in your place of residence for an undisclosed amount of time. Right. Uh, right. Because the fact that the fact that all this stuff is coming out now, uh, well, you heard the whole interview, folks. If right. you if you've been listening through the week. You know, this is something that is going to likely affect you very, very soon, and you right. can't be just like, right. well, "What happened?" I don't and know. As we've <laughs> said, as we've said before on the show, if you get that material and people look at you funny, whether it's a spouse or other family members, even church members, mm-hmm. you point them to the government websites that recommend that these stockpiles be made. Okay, so you've got cover, but you need to have this stuff ready. Hopefully, you'll never use it. But you know, there's natural disasters. There's Katrina kind of events. Mm-hmm. You'll find it put to good use one way or the other. But in this case, it would make all the difference in the world. Hopefully, if you, if our utilities still run and you can see on the TV, you will see mayhem at various places, and you'll be so thankful you and your family are out of that mix mm-hmm. uh, until you know yeah. the smoke clears. And then you've got, well, and then you've got the aftermath. Mm-hmm. If these vaccines are as bad as the data suggest, mm-hmm. you're going to have long-term suffering of people mm-hmm. for years to come. And so the Lord may preserve you mm-hmm. to be a, you know, a minister of help to people who, who are a mess. D- either didn't yeah. know or refused to believe it and are going to need ministry opportunities. There you have it. Um, so, yeah, share with us. You've got some important uh, information. Yeah, yeah. This, this a gentleman named Dr. Blaylock. We've we'll got about two minutes. Okay. So. This, this gentleman named Dr. Blaylock. Uh, he is, I believe, a one of the top neurosurgeons in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, gave this quick list, and I just want to read a couple of the things. If you have to have a sh- if you have to have a flu shot, and you don't believe what we're saying, and you're just like, I'm having the flu shot, please at least just take these couple of precautions that he lists here. Number one on the list, says Dr. Blaylock, is to bring a cold pack with you and replace it on the side of the injection as soon as you can, as this will block the immune reaction. Once you get home, continue using a cold pack and cold showers throughout the day. If you continue to have immune reactions the following day, continue to have cold showers and continue with the cold press. Number two is take fish oil. Uh, it's one of one of the omega-3 fatty acids found in fish oil. Uh, it's a potential immune suppressant, uh, a potent rather, immune suppressant. Uh, studies show that if you take EPA oil one hour before injecting a very powerful adjuvant called lipopolysaccharide, it would completely block the ability of the LPS to cause brain inflammation. Okay. Um, you've got uh, uh, vitamin E, uh, which will help dampen the immune reactions. Take vitamin E. Um, uh, vitamin C at a dose of 1,000 milligrams, taken four times a day between meals. It's a very potent anti-inflammatory um, uh, in its buffered form, not, mm-hmm. a, not, a, not as an ascorbic acid. Uh, 
there's also uh, high in zinc, uh, having good zinc, but you don't mm -hmm. want to use zinc mixed with copper as copper is a major trigger of free radical regeneration and inflammation mm -hmm. uh, using a lot of zinc. Uh, people who live in northern climates uh, are also very susceptible because of their lack of vitamin D3. Right. Vitamin D is important. Yeah. yeah, so you need to get out in the sun. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I could go on, but this uh, sunflower. Avoid avoid corn oil, sun, safflower oil, sunflower oil, soybean oil, canola, and peanut oils. That's if you've gotten the shot. Yeah. Um, let me just also say, too, that if you decide not to get the shot, but you think you still, you're, maybe you're a medical person or something, you're going to get exposed anyway, boost your immunity. Get your immunity up. Sleep. Get, get Well, good sleep. Mm -hmm. Take good care of your body. Eat good things in your body. Mm -hmm. Your your body's immunity is the best thing to protect yourself, and we got to go. Mm -hmm. But, Merv, would you tell our listeners how to contact us at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we have to run, but we'll have a new segment, Tomorrow's Trimmers, our mm -hmm. next show. Yeah, there you go. Any last word? Hands are clean. Okay. Um, this is in the Bible. Protect yourself. Till then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. I should put some echo on this microphone because I'm all the way out of bi Babylon. Bionic. Oh, are you? Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to be talking to those people next week. So are you doing like a week foreshadowing? This is some foreshadowing, baby. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're out of Babylon. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope that uh, listening to the Future Quake Show... I'm sound muffled because I'm out of Babylon. I'm way over here in... Oh. The Promised Land. Okay, they have bad fidelity <laughs> in the Promised Land. Yeah, we don't we don't have Federal Reserve notes, so we okay. use gold lining. Okay, before they throw us off of Christian Radio here, <laughs> we lost our mind. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Future Quake Show. Fridays are even a little crazier than normal here, where we get a chance to review the news. And I'm not even going to ask my friend here for once what today is. Well, it's a different day because it's way over here in the Promised Land. Uh -huh. So okay. Yeah, turn your mic down here. You can go do the Promised Land Future Quake show. Uh, we're going to do a review of the news here that we normally do of What's it stories that you will not hear. Tomorrow's Tremors or today's review of the Future's News. Awesome. Batting a thousand over we're, there. Um, we try to cover some but of the stories again, so that you're probably not going to hear elsewhere on Christian Radio. Uh, maybe even mainstream media for that for that matter. Yeah. Um, any quick announcements? I have a little quick uh you know, we're getting tons of emails mm -hmm. from people every day now. It's really crescendoed, and I thank you for everyone. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get back and answer everyone from the people who send. But I can tell you, you, you have an encouragement ministry to Dr. Future here, and I really, and Tom, mm -hmm. and I really appreciate it so much. Here's one example I got from Brother Dave. Um, Brother Dave says, uh, 
Dear Future Quake, I'm so happy that Dr. Future appeared on Coast to Coast AM. I think your appearance on Coast to Coast AM brought many Christian listeners to your show. I think that many of us are looking for an alternative to mainstream media, so we go to Coast to Coast AM for that information. Now we have the Future Quake show, which gives us a biblical perspective on the same topics that appear on Coast to Coast. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to many shows over the past week, but the show entitled Evangelical Christianity on the Couch, a Spiritual and Mental Health Assessment, rocked my world. Yeah, it rocked a lot of people's worlds. I was challenged by the guest speaker, Mark Breton. His words spoke deep to my soul. I had to hold back tears of love for our Lord. I was thinking that if I had a person like Mark as a mentor in my Christian life, I would have avoided many sins and pitfalls over the past two years. Thank you so much for having him on your show. May God continue to use Future Quake for his glory. Wow. Yep. You know, I just wish Brother Dave had a gift of encouragement. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, brother, out there. We love you, and uh, please keep listening. Let us know other shows you like, guests that you like. Everyone else out there, there, there's a ton of encouragers out there for us. Thank you for lifting us up in prayer. Give us mm-hmm. wisdom, Lord. We get we get wore out. This is a volunteer ministry we do. It's it's not a money gig for us, mm-hmm. uh, but it certainly takes up a, a huge amount of time. Um, but we want to make it useful and constructive and have stuff you're not hearing anywhere else if it's of useful to the kingdom of God and to you. So mm-hmm. pray for us that that will happen and that, you know, let us know somebody you think that would be a blessing to all of us and someone who's not heard elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So you got something to share with us? I got some stories. Yeah, Whatever. yeah, yeah. Um let me let me ask your opinion. You want to hear about how 29% of general practitioners in Britain will refuse the vaccine, even if it means their job? Or do you want to hear about the CIA threatened to kill detainees' families with a little bit of uh, uh, stuff at the beginning about the uh, Project X? Boy, those are both interesting. That's a tough one, huh? Uh, give us the vaccine. With All you. right. Uh, this one is via The Guardian, uh, entitled Britain, 29% of General practitioners will refuse vaccine. Another 29% may refuse it. Many general practitioners, or GPs, as well as their patients, may be reluctant to be immunized against swine flu once a vaccine is developed, survey suggests today. Uh, A very interesting way to word that, given Uh the controversial nature. They're saying, sort of saying, there's no controversy about this. They just aren't taking it. Okay. They don't know what they're talking about. A survey of GPs published in Healthcare Republic. General practitioners. Yes. I I thought I made that clear. Sorry. That's okay. The website of GP Magazine. I missed short, Dr. Short-Term Memory. <laughs> Sorry. You're Dr. G- Funny today. Yeah. I don't know what's going GP on. GP is general practitioner, right? Yeah. I thought I'd make that point. Okay. Found that up to 60% of. General practitioners. May decline vaccination. <laughs> Although the numbers who responded were small, 260 general practitioners, they are in line with a much bigger survey of nurses. You know, I'm glad we can make this fact of like widespread suffering from these vaccines. We can show the humor side of it. You know, I think about that a lot, actually. Some of the stuff that we cover on this show is so dark. It's so dark. It's like lower it's, than the abyss. It's, it's, it's like so beast bad. coming out of the abyss would be the lighter side of our it show. It is so bad, it is fake. And the reason we're having to read it here online or online on over the air is because there's nobody else is doing it. These yeah. people, it's like we t- we we did a thing last week about how uh, polio was coming back in Nigeria because they were putting live polio viruses in the vaccines. Yeah. Well, Christian Radio is too busy talking about your best life now. 
How to have and, your best life now. And how to be really rich and, yeah. and things like that. So That's we our guest talk. next week. But uh, let me say Mine's that the big for all this stuff we're talking about, hopefully what we talk about is constructive, to wake mm-hmm. people up, to get them to get their lives ready in order for the challenges. But also, we are very joyful people. I mean, we get frustrated. Sometimes we crescendo by the end of the Tomorrow's Tremors. Yeah. Where we're like just chewing nails at the end yeah, of it. When freaking we out. Yep. But we are very joyful people because we know the Lord is going to win. Yep. Now, there are going to be some challenging things like what you're just reading here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a lot of challenging days for all of us. We're trying to help make it as easy as possible about talking about it rather than sweeping it under the rug so we can try to adapt and prepare. But the big story is the Lord's going to be victorious, isn't he? Mm-hmm. No question about that. He, really he's going to win, and we have, we have reasons to be joyful. Indeed. But uh, as Jesus said, you know, remember when, when he died and he said... You know, you're going to, I'm paraphrasing, you're going to have uh, tears, but, you know, but there'll be joy in the morning. So so while the world was rejoicing, his his apostles were, were in great pain and agony during the time of his death, but the reverse was true later. We know the same thing will be true with us. There are going to be very dark days ahead while the forces of evil uh, look like they're winning here, but there is joy in the morning. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, be mindful of things like what you're reading about right now. But the biggest problem in persuading people and healthcare professionals to have the jab may be the relative shortage of evidence from trials about its safety and efficacy. Because of the urgent need for a vaccine, testing will be limited. Among the general practitioners who responded to the survey published by Healthcare Republic, 29% said they would not choose to have the vaccine and 29% said that they were unsure whether or not they would. The biggest reason given by those who said they would not have it was the concern that the safety trials would not be adequate. 71.3%, and these are general practitioners, said that they were concerned that the vaccine has not yet been through sufficient trials to guarantee safety. 71.3%. You know, what you're talking about here, when I have talked to some other Christians who look at me and roll their eyes, when I talk about how these things really aren't safe, I found this information you're just reading is a clincher for them to suddenly take notice. When you have healthcare professionals who in mass are saying this is unsafe mm-hmm. for, for, for ourselves and for our patients, you can't sweep that under the rug. Only 8.7% of people said they were not, that the, the, um, the vaccines were completely safe and no one was at risk. Mm. 8.7% of doctors. You know, I, I read another medical source that said that these vaccines actually increase your uh, prevention possibility of the flu by 6%. Sure. And... That's your big protection that you're getting for the risk of the vaccine. And it dramatically increases your uh, uh, the likelihood that you'll get some type of ascending paralysis, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is pretty much a significant negative. You'd think so. Yeah. But apparently, the the way somebody talk about how good all this stuff is, they wouldn't. Or you can get the sniffles. Yeah. If you if you get the flu. Yeah. This uh, professor David Salisbury, uh, like the steak, director of immunization for the Department of Health, commented on the website that frontline health workers have responsibilities to other people. They have duty to their patients not to infect their families, and they have duties to their families. He said. I think you solve those responsibilities by being vaccinated. Hmm. With mercury, okay, mm-hmm. the last part was me. Mm-hmm. What about if they take those vaccines 
and they're, they're debilitated so much that they're not there to even provide medical services for their patients. I wouldn't think that would be a really good way to serve the interest of the public either. Well, you keep saying this like there might be something wrong with this, you know, but only 71.3% of the general practitioners uh, would agree with you. Well, we can prove that. We could vaccinate you on air live on the future <laughs> quick. Just get like a two-gallon jug of mercury. Mm-hmm. I could just add that in. and the squalene and all the other mm, kind of stuff. Squalene. Cancerous dog uh, material Yeah, they put and, in it. Uh, yeah, like monkey kidneys and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, There's some sadistic people. You know, the last time I heard that those kind of ingredients were like in witch's cauldrons when they were making like some kind of brew, you know, like Eye of Newt or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I know. Interesting, um, interesting observation mm-hmm. to say the least. Well, would you like me to share a little brief story? I don't know. You don't? Well, the show's over early. <laughs> um, this is one. The evidence reveals Libyan convicted of Lockerbie bombing innocent. Huh. Interesting. Um, what I find interesting about this, this topic is that this week, uh, at the time we're recording this, uh, they released this uh, person they had been holding in mm-hmm. Scotland, and conservative media is exploding in anger. Exploding in anger. And I think that would include conservative Christian uh, most uh, radio as well, mm-hmm. exploding in anger that they would take this total brutal gentleman and who's you know been there for a long time he's he's dying they say mm-hmm. terminal to even let him go at this time is the lowest of the low. I haven't heard these people spend a lot of time looking at the data to find out the degree of guilt of this guy. Where were they when this information well, was reviewed? Well, okay, back up here a second. If he is indeed guilty, I would have to tend to agree with them, although right. probably not so fist-poundingly like many of them. If he been. personally was responsible for the loss of all those people, I have no... No, no uh, compunction. That's yeah, right. Let them rot. That's right. But... if Yeah, as you're going to say, there might be some uh, controversy right. over that. But uh, this was out of the Daily Mail in, uh, over in England, a prominent newspaper. Uh, it says uh, an article published by the Mail, Daily Mail on Sunday reveals that convicted Lockerbie bomber uh, Abdul Basset al Magradi is innocent. Lawyers for the cancer-stricken Libyan released from a Scottish prison uh, on humanitarian grounds presented evidence to the Court of Appeal indicating that crucial details in the case were not submitted to the court and evidence submitted was tampered with. In addition, U.S. intelligence agencies believe that Iran, not Libya, was responsible for the attack that killed 270 people on Pan Am Flight 103. Ian Ferguson, an investigative journalist and co-author of the book Cover-Up of Convenience, The Hidden Scandal of Lockerbie, mm. told the British newspaper McGrady was made the scapegoat for whatever reason, and from that point everything went in reverse to try to make the crime fit. Uh, this is a concept from or comments from InfoWars here. Now, last week, InfoWars posted an article indicating that the bomber was, in fact, the U.S. and Israeli intelligence asset Abu Naidal. Former labor MP Tam Daliel and Edinburgh law professor Robert Black presented evidence in 2008 showing that Naidal was connected to the bombing, and it was carried out as a revenge for the shooting down of an Iranian Airbus by the warship USS Vincennes in 1988. Now, what is an MP in... in member of Parliament. Okay, so... Uh, General practitioner. <laughs> yeah. Member of Parliament. So a member of Parliament came forward with this right. information. That's right. That's right. And I've done research since I've read this. Yeah. And there's lots of other data available, including FBI officers that have stepped forward. Really? Yes. Interesting. Uh, now, this, this Iranian Airbus, that's mm-hmm. a huge passenger airplane. That was shot down by our own people. 
do you ever see any of, of our religious leaders saying, we need to find the uh, the people who were responsible in the U.S. for calling to shoot down that airplane should be held responsible? No. Have you heard anybody trying no, to hold those you people don't responsible? No, like that. Okay. In a memo dated September 24, 1989, <clears throat> the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, states, the bombing of the Pan Am flight was conceived, authorized, and financed by Ali Akbar Maltashimi Pure, Iran's former interior ministry. This is from the Defense Intelligence Agency. Mm-hmm. It took the use of the U.S. Freedom of Information Act to release the full intelligence documents according to the Mail Online. The execution of the operation was contracted to Ahmad Jibril, Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine General Command leader, for a sum of $1 million, the, D- the DIA documents state. 100000 of this money was given to Jibril up front in Damascus by the Iranian ambassador to Syria, Mohammed Hussein Akari, for initial expenses. The remainder of the money was to be paid after successful completion of the mission. Dalyel and Black believe the mission was carried out by Nidal, who was later killed or committed suicide in Iraq. And he also has done a number of other uh, things like this. In May of 2000, a gag order added weight to the theory that Libya was not behind the Lockerbie bombing. Dr. Richard Fruiz, a CIA agent and a uh, potential key trial witness, was gagged by the U.S. government under state secrecy laws and faced 10 years in prison if he revealed any information about the terrorist attack, the Sunday Herald reported. It's weird. In the U.S., however, the truth is irrelevant. In addition to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the director of the FBI expressing outrage over the release of El Magrati and the corporate media's tedious feeding frenzy, this is InfoWars commentary, over the incident, campaigners in the states have set up a website demanding Americans punish Scotland by boycotting all travel in the country. In addition, the campaign's organizers, whose identity is unknown, boycott, call for a boycott of British products, including whiskey, one of Scotland's main industries, worth a record three billion pounds last year. Reports yeah. of Times Online. Where are you gonna? Now. Where are you going to get scotch? I've read further information, including I read uh, a particular well-known FBI agent. His name escapes me now. I've got mm-hmm. got it listed. That he said clearly that the information showed Iran had done it instead of Libya, and that information was available to the FBI. Wow. Uh, I found other sources online. I, I've never reviewed this. I never really did any digging. Me that either. That it was very straightforward, that it wasn't. He was set up. Now, some people may say, well, wait a minute, didn't Libya admit that they did it and they paid money? See, the, see, the victims got reparations. Yes, they were did. finally paid reparations. So what's going on? Uh, well, they interviewed one of the, the uh, you know, congressional members in Libya, mm-hmm. and he said basically they made a decision that this was impacting their industry. They couldn't do anything industry-wise because of this blockade, so they agreed to pay it to move on. But they wow. said they don't admit guilt over what was happening. Wow, it's interesting. Okay. So if that is true, where does that put – I'm not going to talk about secular media. They're a lost cause. Mm-hmm. Where does that put Christians and Christian media if they're fighting so hard to try to uh, put in jail an innocent man? Where does that put them on Occupy God's side? Occupy I come. That's where it puts it. How many Christians – now, this data – now, I'm at fault that I haven't really gone and looked at this further in the well, past. Well, you, be, you can't be everywhere at once. But, you know, I'm not a pretty recent media person, you mm-hmm. know. Um, these these other uh, Christian media groups and stuff, how much digging did they do to find out who was the real culprit? Zero. So, Zero. there's the rub for me. Have you – speaking of far-out media stuff, have you seen or heard of the um, 
supposedly there's been floating around on the, on the internet an unedited feed of uh, Anderson Cooper's uh, various broadcasts from '91, uh, the Gulf War, and it's got all this. They've got all this stuff where there's like bombs going off and everything, and then as soon as as soon as the feed is off, you know, as soon as they go mm-hmm. to somebody else, he starts joking around like he's in a sound studio. I heard a little bit of it the other day on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, was it truly faked? Did they were trying to imply to people that they were really under attack? Yeah, yeah, like they had a. I mean, really, that's what they were really trying to show the public. Yeah, like they had a they had an alarm going off you know, somewhere in the studio, and then the feed cut off, and then they were saying, you know, he's like cracking jokes, you know. Ten best things about Saudi Arabia. Uh, maybe we can shorten that to five. Everybody mm-hmm. laughs. Mm-hmm. Like, back on five. And there's no... You know, the thing is, and I, I did hear something about this. Yeah. There are ample... Uh, observations of that of major mainstream media of just totally fooling the public. Sure, well, totally fooling. Uh, what them. was it, Scott uh, McMullen, or do you know the person I'm talking about? He mm. used to work for the administration. Past yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Came mm-hmm. forward and said, Scott McClellan. McClellan, yeah. that's his name. He mm-hmm. came forward and said, "Yeah, you know, we've been planning people in the media now to sell the war for years." Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, there's a formal military program. We've read about it on our show. Mm-hmm. And military program that was that was to coerce and to manipulate our media. But I, I was remembering one. Did you did you see the one where where uh, the person was showing about how terrible the water was and the flooding and how the government failed and they were in a co- canoe showing the flooding this canoe and somebody walked by and the water was like ankle deep. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean th- awesome. those are the kind of things frequently that occur. Of course, one of the most famous ones was when. You see the CNN announcer speaking in front, talking about how Building 7 has fallen down in the World Trade Center. Yeah. And you see it standing behind them. Yeah. And they've already said they had already been given a script that Building 7 had come down. Yeah. They read it. It's out there. You can watch it. And then later they hear in their ear to change the Oops. subject or cut away because yeah. it had not collapsed yet. Yeah, I know. That's a. Why would people believe any of our mainstream media? Because they're... I could. They've been seduced by the Revelation 18 sorcery. I was going to say because they like Babylon. They're into hanging gardens, man. They like Babylon. Yeah. Well. Babylon is nice. You know, feel free it's like to screw. Feel free to her syndrome almost. I know. On the grand scale. That's right. Or what do they call it? The Stockholm syndrome. Where you, where you love your captors? Yes, that's right. I was I was thinking of Patty Hearst. Yeah, thing. she was a Symbionese Liberation Army. Yeah, but she had she was the first Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, that's true. Around. There's yeah. a connection. So. Um, but uh, you know, I tell our listeners here on Future Quake, check out what we have. We're we we always could be naive. Mm-hmm. We don't have any corporate interest. We don't have any hidden stake or anything. We might be naive in what we read. Check it for yourself. But these are hard questions we need to be asking. You're right. But. Where's the rest of Christian media? They're Silence. Too, they're too busy telling me that uh, I need to spend more time reading my Bible. Or killing people yeah. of, of different How ethnic backgrounds. How come you aren't out there with a machine gun hosing yeah. down? So then the we could have a special story Arabs. about you. That's yeah. right. Or we could put you Give on our you board. A medal of, of honor. We could put you on our board of directors. Yeah, there you go. If you yeah. hire people to You're kill right. Them. Or I could take some Mooney money and start my own pre-tribulational resource institute. Yeah. Did we I say might, that? We might, might sound a little bitter there. <laughs> you um, might want to edit that. You one. got another story? We've only got a couple minutes. Oh man, I have so many stories. It's just it. There was one. You know, I, I just want to mention this. Uh, I didn't get a chance to print this one off because I saw it just as I was walking out the door. 
but it turns out just an admission made this week at the time of this recording that a large percentage of the trading that goes on in the New York Stock Exchange is done by high-frequency trading of five firms. So you mean this great big recovery that we've I mean, been having? I mean, 30% of the volume you see, daily volume you see in the New York Stock Exchange is generated by five firms. So are you saying that's a large part of the recovery, the broad-based recovery we've been seeing? Evidence stock market is people dealing with a few financial yeah, firms. Basically, when they say, which hey, could it, come in, look, is there's high volume, man. Oh, what's going on is they're front-running. It could easily drop. So if mm -hmm. they artificially tell people everything's over, people start buying at high rates, people mm -hmm. dump their stock, insiders, dump it at high rates, and then the bottom falls out. Yeah, basically what they're doing is playing a rigged game of um, uh, musical chairs. They all know when the music's going to stop. And the music yeah. stops when you get in the game. Right. So that that is such a such an admission. Wow. So well, um, you better share something, or I'm going to read a story. What do you have? Well, mine's very controversial, so I don't know. Ooh. Even Go ahead, for read future, your story. Oh. <laughs> well, we don't have much time to share it. I'll read you excerpts from it. All right. Okay. This ought to get people's eyebrows raised. Um. You know, this is somebody we quote from frequently. Uh, this is an article by Larry Flint, publisher of Hustler Magazine. Um, don't hear a lot of his articles on Christian radio. No. Um, this was. I hope also, he has something good to say. Well, you know what? Here. He's got such a large article, I can only hit parts of it. Uh, he, here's what he has to say, You've and got then, three I'll, then I'll tell you why I even mentioned this. Okay. He says the American government, we once called our government, has been taken over by Wall Street. Mega corporation, corporations and the super rich. They're the ones who decide our fate. It is this group of powerful elites, the people Franklin Roosevelt called economic royalists, who choose our elected officials. Indeed, our very form of government. Both Democrats and Republicans dance to the tune of their corporate masters. In America, corporations do not control the government. In America, corporations are the government. This was no, never more obvious than the Wall Street bailout, where the very corporations that caused the collapse were rewarded with taxpayers' dollars. So arrogant, so smug they were that without a moment's hesitation, they took our money, yours, and mine to pay their executives' multi-million dollar bonuses. He says they have no shame. They don't care what you and I think about them. Henry Kissinger refers to us as useless eaters. But what do you say? We've elected a candidate of change, to which I respond, do these words of President Obama sound like change? A culture of irresponsibility took root from Wall Street to Washington to Main Street. There it is, right there. We are Main Street. We must, according to our president, share the blame. He went on to say, in a regulatory regime basically crafted in the wake of a 20th century economic crisis, the Great Depression was overwhelmed by the speed, scope, and sophistication of a 21st century global economy. This is nonsense. The reason Wall Street was able to game the system the way it did, knowing that they would become rich at the expense of the American people, was because the financial elite had bribed our legislators to roll back the protections after the stock market crash of 1929. And then he goes on in a great detail, talks about David Rockefeller. He says, consider what multi-billionaire David Rockefeller wrote in his 2002 memoirs. Some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty, and I'm proud of it. Page 104 in my copy of that book. Okay. Read, 405, rather. Sorry. Read Rockefeller's words again. He actually admits to working against the best interests of the United States. He said Rockefeller also said 1994 to U.N. dinner. 
We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order. They're gaming us. Our country has been stolen from us. Uh, and on and on. There's more and more information here. Okay, talks about the Shays Rebellion. Uh, so why are you talking about this? a national strike. Okay, here's our point. You know we don't support this guy. No, He's a wicked man, not. immoral, done terrible things to our country. But what he just said right here, it was true. Totally. 100% true. And it's it's the very words that, except for Chuck Baldwin and a handful of Christians, no Christian stands up and write this. So mm. since no Christian stands up and takes the lead in our country, you got people like Larry Flint. A smut peddler. Saying yeah. the obvious Take about him. what's going on. Yep. What happens when a smut peddler sees the obvious and Christians do not? You just come to realize that many Christians like their hanging gardens. Well, many of them are going to say, well, if he said it, that just shows that all this stuff's untrue. If he said it, that, you know, you guys are hanging out with these people, it's untrue. Or, or it says that people like this are the ones that have to show these things to society because Christians are not doing their job. So well, you just that's what to... I get from it. Oh, gosh. All right, we're, we're out of time. We're ball up so high, and we're out of time. All right. Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. Remember, joyful. I'm joy, Dude, I am so joyful. Me too. Ladies and gentlemen, we love you. We appreciate you, fellow Futurians. Come back next Monday for a great guest. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. I'm out of Babylon. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, 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 quake.